All right, it's time for the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Mike and Dolfo, Louis Rebeau, and the ever-fabulous Megan Devine. Who is, do we want to go with the anniversary part of today, Louis, first? I it's got to be, right? Yeah. I mean, this is it. This is the, this is the one-year anniversary of the, <laughs> of the uh, what did you call it? The Risen Stars and the, um, oh, man, the Golden Knights and Risen Stars. Is that the name of that episode? I think it that's what been. you called it, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah we were yeah. talking about hockey. So one year ago when Megan I was, was on this show for the first time. changed your life, and then you moved to Kentucky just for us. That's terrific. Yep. I mean, that's just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that was it. <laughs> uh, that was it. Um. <laughs> oh, how far we've come since then. I was just oh, a guest man. on the show, you know, and then somehow I got sucked into this. <laughs> Here we are. That's All right. Called, that is a, right, baby. It's called a dream right there. It is the dream. It is living yeah, the dream is what it is. The dad, weird living the dad dream. Perverse dream. I want to understand right <laughs> why this is just like, is it just where your hat and like Listen, it's sweat stay that you guys is, didn't tell me about? Outside is covered I in ice. Gotten so I had to be outside <laughs> with animals, okay? And if you guys would have told me, maybe I would have worn a hat. You know, I look great in hats, I'm, number one. I'm this one doesn't go my That's outfit though, so I obviously can't wear that. But I'm sure you have a Cody <laughs> photography one that you could have worn. I do, and I would appreciate the heads up because you guys just don't tell me anything. It's the vid horse hat that looks better on that guy. So he was just. I mean, a it's a very good hat as well. I need to order more of those. <laughs> I, I just will tell you right now that today was 100% a hoodie and hat day. I mean, it is. Oh, it I had is, to de-ice everything at our house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the worst. Don't crazy. even. <laughs> I have 50 animals that I have to take care of in the ice. I'm out there in my Carhartts. Do you have Carhartt overalls? No. Let me ask you that oh, question. No. Oh, you don't have those? That's right, that, because Louis? you get to stay inside your little houses or big houses. <laughs> You're talking about Larry's giant house you bought. And Humble do brag. nothing. I have to <laughs> crack ice in the bucket so that my animals don't die, okay? We had to take in hoses last night. I had to crush the ice off the wheelbarrows in order to use it. I mean... Don't at me, hey. you guys, in your <laughs> in your sweats and your hats, because it's so hard when it's oh, icy outside. It's nothing like having four kids, right, Louie? Come at me, <laughs> please. I'm just telling you, like, get ready for Salty Megan, because she is ready oh. to go today. It is Salty Megan Day. I'm wrapped uh, up. This show is going to be called Salty <laughs> Megan Show. Salty is Megan. it? Yeah, I think so. so um, Pass the Salty Megan. Now. I don't even know what happened, by the way, last time it, that the live feed did not seem to work. I'm hoping right now that we are live. So I see it right now. It's we're up. live. We're up yep. on Twitch, on Twitter. Uh, so this is going to become a thing. If you want to watch the show live every Thursday, whenever Megan's ready, we're going to be live. So. <laughs> that is 100% <laughs> true. I like to call it, um, we like to call it in my family, divine time. Uh-huh. And it's just basically take whatever time we're supposed to be there and then add like, <laughs> two plus hours and then that's what time it's like dinner's at five on thanksgiving but we actually don't eat until 9 30 so right. it's just it's like megan was on time today i that. was the one who was kind of holding us up that's uh, not true i was like 10 minutes late not really <laughs> not not for what you usually are you know we didn't start playing waiting on a woman or anything like that so true um true. so louis do we have a show sheet we do happy anniversary moment. it's uh it's been it's <laughs> been quite you. quite a quite a journey and i appreciate I, I, it i love your salt if that matters um well it's it. cold outside so it's helpful to have <laughs> salt is good oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do we have a show sheet um the first thing on the show sheet is the word banter so we did a pretty good job of that and then um today's a pretty big day in kentucky actually as far as our um our 
our assembly or our state assembly is concerned because the Senate has passed a bill to reinstate historical horse racing in the state. Uh, Wait, Senate Bill 120. They passed it? The Senate did. Okay. Today, the House is... Yesterday. Is, yesterday. And the House is talking about it today starting at one o'clock. So um, I haven't seen an update on it, to be fair. Follow our I mean, man Chris Otts on that, right? Chris Otts is No good, doubt. You know? At, at yeah. Christopher Otts on Twitter. Um, Christopher with a PH, two Ts and Otts. Um, he's the WDRB source on that. And so, yeah, he's going to be the guy who's going to be all over that for you. I... um. Explain what it is, though, Louie. Like, explain explain what we're talking about here. For so essentially what happened is uh, historical horse racing machines are, are machines that look a lot like slot machines, but are based on past horse races that happened at some point in history. They don't tell you what the horse race was or anything like that, and it's actually done in a paramutual way so that there's a takeout and you're betting against other people, et cetera, et cetera. And so um, the Supposedly. Family Foundation, the Family Foundation, which is a... Um, which is a group in, in Kentucky that opposes things like gambling and Fun. I don't know a lot. Fun. Well, like probably alcohol Freedom. and you know, other things like this. Right. So yeah. um, I'm trying to stay away from the really controversial things that they're really against, but um, the went to the Supreme court and the Supreme court in a seven zero decision said, Hey, these aren't legal machines. Um, and this specific type that's being used in specific places is not paramutual in the sense of the way that it's defined in the law in the state of Kentucky. Which so, was only one of the machine, one type of the machines, though. There were other ones correct. that they didn't. Correct. Say so, like or... the Red Mile in Lexington shut down, which is the hardest track in, in Lexington, has a, a facility for this. They shut down because it was their machines that were actually the ones in the order. Churchill Downs has not shut down uh, their popular level facility, for example, because they don't use a machine that is within the bounds of this. However, to be fair, Churchill Downs mm -hmm. has come out very explicitly and said, we need this bill to pass because. Um, it will reinstate these machines as being paramutual and therefore legal. The reason this matters in Kentucky is because casino gaming is illegal by the state. Um, what am I thinking? Not statute, but by the constitution of the state. And so paramutual wagering is legal, obviously, because otherwise we wouldn't have Churchill Mounds in other places. But um, that finally was pushed through the Senate. They've had 10 years to do this. Of course, they sat on their hands and didn't do anything. Um, they passed a bill yesterday that would reinstate historical racing. Um, it is in front of the House. They should be debating it right now. Um, and so I think, is that a good enough? Did I cover all no, the bases? No, totally. There? And okay. I mean, also geographically too, for our listeners that, because mm. since we're, you know, worldwide. Um, yeah, we are. Despite the fact that there brag, are no casinos. <laughs> yeah, right. There are no casinos here um, in Kentucky, technically. Um, we have them right across the way. So just up north to Cincinnati. Like literally you cross over the state line and you're Not, in a casino. 95% of the state's the population lot. is within an hour's drive of a casino. Or, yeah, yeah. or you go to um, the one in Indiana, right? There's I mean, couple. you've got that one as well. Yeah, yeah you've got uh, the ones in West Beltera, Virginia area. Horseshoe, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just Tennessee. <laughs> So, so we're losing so much revenue by not having that, just number one. And obviously those are set up for a reason in those locations and are, are frequented by Kentuckians all the time. Um, and, and also the fact that we are such a big sports state as well. Oh, I mean, that's like what we brag about all yeah. the time with basketball and, you know, UofL is like every sport going to the championships and the Olympics and, you know, horse racing and everything like that. And then we're, we're talking about getting in that we have the minor league soccer team. And if we ever want to have any major league teams here, like I don't understand 
understand the pushback against the the sports betting and the gambling and 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 anything that will help further those sports here in Kentucky in the state where it is in our blood you know regardless of what sport you like you're here in Kentucky you're a fan of a, a big fan of a sports team for most people so and Andy I mean, Bashir, so just our dictator in Frankfurt is supposedly trying to you know that was one of the things he ran on he said he wanted that so hopefully he I mean of right. all the issues he wanted to do that's the one that I'm all aboard so let's Let's get it. Like, I, listen, I don't like, like make make everything legal and give people choice. Like, make marijuana legal. I don't care. I'm not going to use it. It doesn't really matter. You know, make sports gambling legal because people are going to do it anyway. So we might as well profit off of it. Yeah, and I mean, my issue here specifically to horse racing is that it is we do such a bad job of fighting within ourselves, uh, within our industry, and that's with there's been an issue brought up recently with whether or not the Strana Group, who's a big conglomerate in horse racing, has hired a big high profile lobbyist team to fight with the Family Foundation to prevent Kentucky from having these historical horse racing machines, which they kind of need to do because we've got the money here in Kentucky and the industry is booming. Whereas their tracks in California and in Maryland and also in Florida, um, you know, maybe have suffered from the increase in purse money from places like Oakland Park, from places like Turfway um, up here in Cincinnati as well. So the competition is much higher and, you know, they're basically just trying to block the other businesses and so that they can get the market share. And that's not that's not the fair way. when you're talking about you know it's not fair when you're talking about people's livelihoods if this is what right. happened i don't know for it's not sure, fair for right? the sport though it's not fair for the sport it's not fair for the sport at all but but we'd also we do a horrible job of as an industry of educating ourselves i mean there was a there was something written by jason litt who resigned mm. from the um, kentucky thoroughbred association from the kta and he said we've had this has been coming for so long Forever. and Forever. there has been no you know, plan in place to fight back against this and to educate our legislators on, you know, what it is that we're trying to fight for here and why it's so important. But more so, I think it's even more of a disservice to ourselves that we're not educating the people. We're not educating the fans. We're not educating anybody that has anything to do with it. You know, when we found out about this and when horse racing was like, hey, you got a call right now, yesterday, yeah. last week. Right. It's already in motion. I mean, what what are we doing not educating ourselves about it? I mean, I work for, and you know, I'm not on air right now very much, but like I work for the only we horse racing network technically. Oh, well, yeah, when they schedule me. But like <laughs> we, the fact that we don't have any sort of news, it's just strictly right. reliant on like the print journalism, which they've cut back quite a bit because that's not the way of the world. Now everything is gambling. Everything is gambling. You know, if you're talking about the videos that DRF is doing or Blood Horse or whatever, but like how about the news? What's happening in our industry? What are the different sides of it? And it's just we do such a bad job of informing each other. And I think that we're we're going to shoot ourselves in the foot like we do on every other issue. So, oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, but, but they're, they're it's in recess just, right now. Of course. Like, yeah. what is the solution for us to to just come together? I said it last week as well, I think, is like my biggest fear is the loudest uneducated opinions, is uh, voices, right? And that's exactly what you're getting here. These people have nothing to do with horse racing. They don't understand it. They don't know it. It's the same thing with the PETA people. You know, you tell somebody about horse racing and they immediately assume that it's a horrible thing or i've been in uber rides before where the they're like what do you do and i'm in horse racing they're like oh aren't they mean to the horses i'm like no nope. we've got time let me tell you <laughs> you know you're stuck <laughs> with me for however long in this uber ride so let me just educate you right. but i think we have to do that to ourselves and to people outside as well and it's just 
I don't know where that's going to come from, but it, this is like too little too late. And I hope it works out in our favor. But I also hope that we as an industry and we as fans, as we as participants, learn from this because we need to. Well, I do. And think, it's just I do think for the most part that our legislator, our, our legislative body understands the trickle down effect that happens with this bill. The, the No, the representative of. Um, what was it? Bourbon County? Uh, I'm talking voted as a against whole, it. Megan, as a whole. Yeah, but the, a majority look at the vote soon. yesterday, though. It was, yes, it was a majority, but it wasn't. There were still a lot of very significant people that voted against it. I mean, what are the political, what, like, what are they getting back from it to to well, hurt that many people? To, to yeah, Your I mean, constituents are directly affected by this, and you're going to vote no on it? Well, that's uh, what I mean. You start having the breeders. That's not Start cool. having the breeders leave, and then, then we're talking about something pretty major, and that's, that's what's at stake. I mean... <clears throat> Breeding operations would pack up and go somewhere else in a heartbeat. Wait for wait for some of the handicapping we do later. I think there's a race at Laurel that has like Ohio breads and like serious good horses, like Ohio breads and Indiana breads and the whole thing. And like, yeah, you careful what you wish. Well, for because but the only reason why you're seeing more of that is because there have been programs put in place by other states to try right. to rival Kentucky. Right. I mean, we have the benefit here. The whole reason why Kentucky ended up being the breeding capital of the world, the thoroughbred capital of the world is because of the, the limestone and the grass. That's what right. Kentucky bluegrass is. And that's nutritionally beneficial for horses to eat and to be raised upon. Like they just grow bigger and stronger. It's the place to be. It's like hockey players in Canada and, and like Russia, I don't know, or France Sweet. like that. You, they just, right. you come from there, you're probably better. Right. So it's the same thing here. But places like New York and Pennsylvania and even Florida have put programs into place and money there for to entice people to breed their horses there instead of Kentucky. So we're already being, you know, we already have competition that didn't exist before. Right. And so for people to, to stay here in Kentucky, there has to be incentive to do so. And this bill would take that away. And it's not just the, the trainers or, you know, the owners or the jockeys that people see. And those are the big names. And those are the people you think make so much money off of horse racing, which you know, it's the big joke. Start with the if you want to make a million, start with a billion. But it's the people every single day. It's the right. you know the the um, immigrants that come to this country and and work for nearly nothing because they love the horse or the the people that are just working from three a.m. to eleven o'clock at night. Like most of the horse industry, just like most of society, is not the one percent. And those are the people. Those are the working class people that this is going to affect more than anybody else. Well, the, and I think that's so important. The same conversation can be made on you know people the, on the big thing right now, like to not pay pay your rent. Like people will think that every person Person who owns a rental property is this wealthy person and they don't understand right. you don't pay your rent 85 percent of these rental properties aren't paying a mortgage like that's right. that's right. the reality of it you know people are trying to use rental property to kind of take their their wealth to the next level start to start to build wealth and that's usually one of the first things they do and it's like yeah let's stick it to the property management companies and not pay our rent no you're like you're causing a person to potentially go into foreclosure i mean that's absolutely yeah so and, and the messaging, the messaging, a final point that I'll say, has to improve as well, because I think we as an industry are so, we're such Luddites and we're so slow to change and to adapt technology. But I think this has shown us more than ever that social media is such a big driver for trying to get a message across. And I strongly encourage, not just because I have a business that does this as a service for social media, but I strongly encourage and hope that we see these organizations actually step up their social media and have a reliable department that's able to get this messaging across. Because I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there trying to tweet and, and help organizations to make the information more available. We, we don't make information available to people. We don't tell them how to succeed and what we're asking them to do 
You want to call a representative? Who do you call? What do you say when you actually get them on the phone? It's the same thing with when you're handicapping. It's the same thing getting people to bet these horses. We ask them to pay for parking, pay for entry to get in, and then pay for a program. And then guess what? They don't know how to use it. You really think that people are going to spend their money? Help, like help us help them. And it's just that needs to change within our industry as well. And I think, I mean, that's that was the first call to action. I didn't get one single thing in the mail for, for me to help spread the word and whatever. It was all through social media, some right. through email marketing as well. But I just, we have to step things up in that way and or we're gonna die, adapt or die. And yep. we're at that point here. Well, so I'll, a lot I of have one thing. Go ahead. I just yeah. have one thing, Megan, I want to follow up on. So you were kind of like, oh my God, these guys are wearing hats. This is the, the city symbol for where I grew up in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I, I gave a presentation to the American Hockey League a couple years ago, and I talked about Louisville as a sports market. And in my hometown, Grand Rapids is the 41st largest media market. Louisville's like the 39th. So they're very similar cities in size and what, in escape and everything. Grand Rapids has six hours of local sports talk radio a day. Louisville has over 25. Wow. A day. Yeah. This yeah. town is nuts for sports. You're totally right. And we don't inform anyone about anything, which is incredible because if you listen to a post-game show or anything like that, a guy can break down a play on a basketball court and see things that I can't see at all, right? Mm-hmm. But he doesn't know what his local racing is or how it feeds a purse or anything like that, right? And so, um, that, no, yeah, and, and the and economics that go places. into it in this right. in this state. I mean, we... we how will... many people work in those places? And I mean, it's just... Yeah, I mean, it's you talk about the trickle down effect. In how many other you know areas is Kentucky like bottom of the barrel on the right. list? If you're talking about outdated industries like the coal industry, if you're talking about education, sure. I think Kentucky's like 48 out of 50 states as far as the education being bad. Like, we we need the money that the revenue from this state that all rounds. Like, let's not hurt ourselves. We're right. we're not going to create a new industry here because we're not expanding with sports. We're not expanding. You know, if we're going to kill racing and all of that, and and what are you going to rely on bourbon and Where's your tourism then? Who, what are you coming to see here in Kentucky if there's yep. no horses? Yep. I mean, aren't those the, the major industries of Kentucky? <laughs> it's right. It's bourbon, it's horses, and it's college sports. Right. That's it. So you're going to have what? College sports. And then how much is your fan base going to go down when you reject all the other sports and you have no sports betting? Well, significantly. I, and I, I just think. know too, like if, if we hadn't totally embraced uh, gambling, first off, the Catholic picnics would be off the hook. <laughs> but first off, <laughs> but uh, you're gonna have to change the minds on that. Oh my first. gosh, we'd be all about that, wouldn't we, Louie? We'd be like fish fry and like <laughs> just I was gonna say fish sandwich, fry bread. Yeah, it's awesome. Gambling, let's go. So, right. <laughs> uh, but we we could become like it. a bachelor party destination Ooh. like no other, right? I mean, go on bourbon tours, go to the track, do some gambling. I mean, we could be. We could be just this incredible, uh, fun city that is a such a destination because because of how accessible our city is. So let's get to the horse racing though. How about that? Okay. All right. Fine. I'm done let's, ranting. That's okay. You now. know, you rant all you want. They're still in recess. We're not a place at all. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, not voting on it today. It sounds like. Okay. But they will vote. It sounds like they will vote tomorrow. So we had some uh, some derby preps. We had two official derby preps, and we had one non-official, unofficial derby prep. Uh, but I think we all agree that it is a derby prep. The San Vicente is a derby prep. So we're going to start with the Sam F. Davis stakes. Um, anybody want to talk about what happened, what we saw here? When you put up the replay, we will. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, this replay thing, you know, just even though people couldn't see us do it, you know, it got great reviews. People loved it. So. People liked the idea, yeah, right. So we're going in the top of the backstretch right now. And uh, here we are. Thanks to uh, Tampa Bay Downs for this feed, because I don't know exactly if I'm supposed to be using this, but nah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I don't know what you thought, Louie, but I thought these were pretty moderate fractions here. And yes. just look at the rider on the six, who I believe ended up winning, right? Is that correct? No, the nine ends second? up winning here. The nine ended up winning. Okay. Yeah. Both, But look at the six here. I mean, this horse is just absolutely pulling the rider. Um, right. The nine horse as well. You're just having like a nice, easy kind of a ride. I thought it was strategic positioning from Candyman Rocket because the fractions weren't blazing fast they were fast enough you know but it wasn't lighting the track on fire certainly so sitting just off the pace there i thought was a pretty good move and and right around here you could see the rider just sat down and and go for a drive on this horse and he responded nicely um and then you saw some others in the back of the pack as well who started to make up some ground did am i wrong did the six not come in second i feel like i remember that second maybe i don't have the race i'm I'm gonna see in about a second um but the nine pulls away pretty no, he does. He pulls away nicely. Uh, he looks like he's got a nice stride on him here. Oh, maybe it was the seven. I was yeah, the six way is off. Not, the six is not there. Um, but looks you know, like this is one. kind of what we what we thought about. I thought the one ran on, ran on nicely, obviously, but it, we were all kind of on Nova Rocket or um, right Candy Candyman. What's his name? Candyman Rocket and there we go. Candyman Rocket and Nova Rocket. There we go. We talked. Hayden Stash was my long shot here, and. I mean, of course, if the race is longer, he wins, but it isn't, so he didn't because it was my long shot. Um, the, uh, but I do. I, there was That's nothing not about that Candy- happens more often than not. I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> so the uh, so I just there was nothing about the 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 style he ran that you should say anything negative about. He didn't need to go super fast, like you said. He wanted to go much much more. Junior Alvarado did a great job of keeping him in check. He gets out at the lead. He gets he gets on the you know to the lead. I should say, excuse mm-hmm. me, not honestly, but to the lead. At the turn, I love all that. That's that's where you need to be to win a Kentucky Derby. Now, I, I don't know. If this field was a little weak, like though. I mean, for I think sure. That's, that's the, what we talked about going into yes. it. Was that I don't know that this was which the Tampa Bay. You know those those races on the Derby Trail from Tampa Bay don't often produce the Derby winner. We talked about that as well. What did we say last so, week, Mike? The best winner this recently was what Shackelford? No, that doesn't sound right. It was uh, I mean Sol Volante won last year. Yeah, yeah. Man, I think he was in the Derby, winner. but not right. a Derby yeah. winner. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so Sobolante won this last year and uh, ran a 96 buyer. And I mean, if, if you care, Candyman Rocket ran an 85. It just, it was slower this year. Um, but like I said, that style, at least getting out front like that is what you need to do in a bigger field. So maybe, maybe he can play. He was in second place the whole way and then hits the top of the turn and he was ready to go. So. All right, well, let's head on to the Withers because, you know, we actually did see a higher uh, buyer figure in the Withers. And Max Player coming out of the Withers last year was, had a lot of buzz, right? right. And, He'll uh, be in the Saudi Cup coming up next week. Oh, well, you want to talk about that, Humble Brag? Because you won't nice be player. with us? Oh, yeah. I'm like 95% sure of going to the Saudi Cup. Still haven't gotten like, well, they booked our flights and then uh, and then one of the flights was canceled out of Doha. So now I don't I don't actually know what's happening. But I think I'm going. I think I'll be there. So I, I have to fly to Qatar and then I'm going to the Saudi Cup. Yeah, yeah. so I'm not, I'm not sure. Humble. Go on with the withers. Hold on. Hold on. I got to take a drink right here for that humble brag. You got a drink for the humble brag. Humble brag. By the way, shout out new sponsor today. Louis, what are we What are we drinking today? Man, we're deep in the uh, the old uh, Woodford Reserve Double Oaked. Yep. Deep. The Double Oaked is the best. I agree. I, I <laughs> deep like, in it. I like Double Oaked but, way um, more than regular Woodford. Yeah. Gotta say. Can I, tell you, is... can I tell you a story about Woodford? 100%. So the gentleman who taught me how to handicap, there was a guy named Kevin Sajasi who was um, just a true degenerate. All right. 
a true degenerate at heart, uh, but he also was involved in both the racing side and the um, equestrian side. And he he had many of the plants for like the big jumping arenas at uh, in the Kentucky Horse Park and various other places and a hard worker and worked for Blue Water Sales as well, as well as Eaton Sales. And unfortunately, he passed away before I ever started to do the on-air stuff. But it was him that I met through a, a jumping thing, and he was also from New York, so he was just kind of a, a familiar f- uh, face that I knew and, and felt comfortable with and helped me get some jobs along the way. And so after Keeneland, when I was a PA for uh, TVG, before I ever made it on air, I would go to the bar at Malone's and handicap with him, and he'd teach me how to read the form. Oh. And so he always had Woodford with just a couple of rocks. So Woodford right. has always had a special place in my heart for that reason. There you go. When I think of if you if you had to describe what bourbon is, I think you would describe it as what Woodford is. Like that's the baseline of what the flavor profile of bourbon is, like the color, mm-hmm, yeah. the, the proof. Especially the, like it just But the color the, of this double oat is like legit. It's awesome. It's no, unreal. it's terrific. This yeah. is a terrific bourbon. And um it's one of the great things about being hooked up with Brown Foreman is we're gonna sh- showcase a lot of different stuff actually in the spring, which is great and through the summer. Um it's gonna be a tequila show, which is awesome. Uh, tequila makes my clothes come. <laughs> I like tequila. Do some, uh, oh, do no. some Irish whiskey. Do some Audio Irish whiskey only around. for those shows. Irish. I can't wait to do an Irish car bomb on the air. By the way, Irish whiskey for uh, St. Patrick's Day. I feel like Day we should year. do that for St. Patrick's Day. It's all right. No, settle down. <laughs> the, uh, and so, uh, my only Woodford story is my. And I've told this on the air. Uh, my cousin Tommy was in from San Francisco. And mm-hmm. we go up to the bar together. He just told me his wife is pregnant with their first. So I'm like, oh, let's go get a bourbon. It's great. And uh, we walk up, nice bartender. He goes, hey, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, from Louisville. He goes, hey, where are you from? He goes, oh, San Francisco. And he goes, oh, okay. He points at me. He goes, Old Forester. And he points at my cousin. He goes, Woodford. It <laughs> 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 that was, that was pretty great. But um, All right. Real quick, if you want to interact with the show, at Horse Happy Hour on Twitter, Louie's kind of watching it. So, you know, we'd just love to it. give you a shout out on the air. That's def- <laughs> that would definitely be awesome. So uh, interact with us at Horse Happy Hour on the Twitter feed. And you can be watching us live right now on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, looks like we've got a couple people watching right now, so I don't know. Sweet, yeah, I like it. So, uh, shout out to whoever's watching. Shout, drop us a line so we can give you a shout uh, out. On the you air. said shout out, yeah. For anybody that's just tuning in too, we have um, quite a few drinking rules. So Louis says shout out usually like seventy five times per show. So um, we drink whenever Louis says shout out. We drink whenever there's a humble brag. We drink whenever the names King Guillermo, Sol Volante, and can't remember who else are field pass. Some of these horses. Field pass. Yeah, yeah, field pass, exactly. Um what else do we do we drink at? There's a lot of them. But if yeah, you guys we'll, you know, we'll, uh, also want to throw a drinking rule out there for us as part of the show for our for our listeners, um, feel free to do so. We we do accept them and consider them and we we might make it a part of our show. So uh we're gonna have the longest segment ever. Uh but that's okay. Let's go on to the wither stakes right now, like we were going to a while ago. So <laughs> um, let, me, let me pull up the withers and let it play. All right, there it is. All right, thank you, Dak. This was go going into this race. You know, I kind of besmirched it because I said it's just going to be the typical like Todd Plutcher and Chad Brown, and it's just not really exciting for that reason. And that is what it ended up being. Um, Louie, you did a good job of pointing out Capo Kane, who was much higher than three to one on the morning line. And you, you had made the statement, which I thought was very good, that if that horse was trained by a Chad Brown or a Todd Pletcher, oh, he would have been favored for sure. But because he wasn't, he went. He was a much higher price in the morning line. Um, so it kind of ended up exactly like we thought it would. I believe risk-taking ended up winning this race, who's the five, who's yes. currently not in the lead. And 
although I did besmirch this race and I said, you know, I don't know that we're going to see a derby winner come out of here. I thought it was a really big step forward. I mean, the replay's a little hard on my end. It's a little choppy, but you know, he comes around the turn here and he, he seems a bit green, you know, he kind of lugs yes. in a little bit, the riders on, using the, um, the right-handed stick, but then he straightens himself out and he's going to move forward here and just re-engage. He then lugs in again, by the way, in the last 16th of the mile, but he goes away. Once he finally gets it, I thought he, he looked impressive. So, you know, it was one of those like maturing moments for these young horses, which we're going to see a lot of as these are young three-year-olds, you know, Correct. starting their 2020 season. So that's yeah. not uncommon. And I, I actually would rather see that and see that he learned, which you could see that light bulb kind of come on there for him than a horse that's just kind of like flailing about and, you know, still doesn't get it and wins by accident. Like I, that wasn't an accident for him. Right. If I were doing a derby top 10, a risk taking wouldn't make it, but I think he has an absolute chance to make the derby if he continues to improve. Like you said, when a horse wanders side to side like that um, after the second turn for the first time, you, you kind of expect it. But in this case, um, was able to at least get his kick at the end and, and pull away. I, I thought it was a really impressive finish uh, at a mile in the eighth, especially. So good distance there yeah. and going over two turns at Aqueduct. And so uh, 89 buyer better than Max Player last year. So that's I mean, that's something nothing to sneeze at at all. That's Chad Brown and Eric Kitts, uh It's Concel, right? Am I getting that right? Who he who he started riding? I mean, Eric does a very good job. He I think was like in the titles for leading rider, maybe or like in the fight there for he's one of those this year's the past couple of years at right. Aqueduct in New York. To, to so, his I mean, credit, he's definitely a guy to use. It's going to sound like a besmirchment, but it's not. You know, the top riders from Naira tend to go to Gulfstream in December and January, right? And a guy like Eric stays back in New York. To his credit, he has taken advantage of that. He's had a very so him Kendra Carmouche is still up in Naira. Mm -hmm. um, and Eric has done a terrific job. I mean, I think this was his first um, graded stakes victory. There was a, he put out a really cool uh, uh, Twitter photo and everything after the race. And of so, him hugging um, the horse because people do love horses in this sport. Contrary was, to what some was, might have you believe. It was a really cool. It was a really cool post. I think we actually uh, retweeted that one. But um, but no, I, nothing to dislike here. Uh, just looks really green. And so if he develops, then look out. Well, and some of that too is especially for horses that get on the front end, and that it, it can be something that they don't necessarily grow out of. Like Florent Giroux talks about it with Monomoy Girl. Mm, like right. when she gets out front, she and authentic was the same way. They kind of lose focus, and they're like, "All right, I got this. I'm in front of everybody," and they they switch off. And so that kind of looked like what happened with this horse as well. Whereas when you have another horse, you know, to kind of compete with and, and you have, um, you've got that grit that you can get out of those horses. Oftentimes you just see them be more competitive, but they can shut off if they're out there alone on the front end. And that's kind of what it looked like from this one as well. And I mean, riders that know that their horses will do that, you often see them be undercover for a lot longer than you expect them to. Like they will keep their horse next to another horse or they'll tuck in just behind horses because they know if I get out there too early, I'm screwed. Right. You know, so it's something to watch as this horse progresses into some of those races, if that is something he grows out of or if that's just going to be part of his MO. All right, let's move on to the San Vicente, which uh, again, not official derby points here, but we've had a lot of derby success come out of this race. And uh, typically this is where Bob Baffert likes to kind of see if he's got a contender or someone he wants to push uh, to the distance. And uh, what do you think about the San Vicente? It's a five-horse Well, this field, is the one that we <laughs> that we watched the um, <clears throat> workout courtesy of XBTV. 
Uh, and this is where, I mean, look at the rider on this. Okay, this is what I was thinking with the six horse. <laughs> it was the wrong six oh, horse. Okay. Look at the rider on the six here. Um, he's just absolutely being pulled and tugged on by Concertor. Whereas you have some of these other riders, look at their body language. Their hands are moving forward. You know, they're not as, as set back. Like you have to use the leverage of your body to hold horses back like that. So, you know, your, your shoulders, you're trying to pull this freight train back. You're kind of back be behind the saddle a little bit more behind their shoulder. Right. Um, when you're trying to to stop them from kind of running off, and that's what Concertor wanted to do the entire time, and it was a great job done by his rider to to keep this horse in check. I was very impressed by Freedom Fighter though, of because course, he yes. put in a fight for you know no pun intended, um, and I was a little bit worried about him going into this race because his workouts he was used as kind of the target. So I actually wasn't sure if he was going to do this, if he was going to fight because he was used to kind of being passed by others. But I mean, he put in a pretty game effort up until the final stages. I just think Concertor was always the better horse. He was always going to win. I agree with all of that. The uh, the bet that I like to make in these races is to put a horse like Concertor in second place in the trifecta in smaller fields. And so I actually had Freedom Fighter on top with Concertor in second overall. So I okay. was like down the stretch, I was kind of like, mm, nice little try here. Um, <laughs> but I singled concert to and everything else that I had. And right. I think you're right. He was probably never not winning. Um, I, I saw some criticism of him online after that race. Really? I didn't think there was anything he what? did wrong what? in that race. Oh, he should have passed him earlier. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, or maybe Freedom Fighter is not a terrible Can you go horse. back? Like, I mean, can, you re can you just do I, the final bit of that stretch just, again? I need to, like, delete you can't? Yeah, it's already gone. Yeah, okay. Um, no, that's fine. But I actually didn't think that it was that hard of a drive by the okay. rider. Like, that's the other thing, too. I mean, it's I have Rosario, to go back and watch it. Rosario's on him. And then uh, Drayden. Right. And so him. you're you're going to use, you know, you're going to encourage your horse because you want to teach them. Right. The, again, right. these horses are still learning. So you have to encourage them to move forward in the stretch. But like, I didn't feel like he was trying to get every single ounce out of that horse, sure. which you shouldn't be, by the right. way. At Especially this if time you're going to kind of stretch like, distance out, right? I mean, you're no. Yeah. yeah. So the fact that he ran so easily, and like I said, he did it under his own power because he was pulling the entire time and just wanted to go forward. And then like Rosario just kind of loosened the reins on him and he took it and, and ran. Like, like, right. that's what I want to see. I want to see the horse naturally do it on his own rather than like having to dig down and, and get every ounce out of this horse just to win one of the prep races. I would rather them do that and like come in a second like Freedom Fighter did, although I think he got a little bit of a harder ride or even like authentic in some of those um, in the Santa Anita Derby when he finished second. Like I would rather see that coming into the Derby than use every ounce of your horse. You got to peak him for the big day. And we're still talking about the first Saturday of May as of right now, you know, so <laughs> don't use all your all your gas yeah now. because if it's not then you're like oh let's go the met mile i mean i mean that's right. that's in june you got you can't you can miss that right now you can't miss on the derby stuff right now you gotta stretch for that so no yeah and, and why you know save save something for next time right and don't absolutely so i'm i'm totally fine with that and i think mega can speak to this more than i can but i i think it shows a little bit of intelligence too on the horse's part that he wants to go and pass everyone but Rosario says, mm -hmm. no, no, we got to sit in third. And the horse goes, okay, I'll sit in third, even though I really, really want to go. And so, um, right. So it, that's something you can develop as well. So it, Baffert seems to find his horses all the time. But, you know, if, if you have a horse that you can kick the multiple gears with that we've seen win major races recently, the last couple of years, especially at the three-year-old level, that's a huge tool. And concert tour, it seems to have all of them. All right. So mm -hmm. we're going to stay totally. out in Santa Anita. And uh, we got a kind of a sad story because uh, Moonlight Duro in this race, looked really strong and then we find out that she's off the oaks trail so. all right so 
I, I want everyone to notice she's she's the three in this race. Megan and I both said this is the single of the day at Santa Anita. Look how small she is. She's in the very back of the field. Physically, right yeah, yeah. She's in the back of the field. Look how little she is compared to these other Phillies. Like she's just this little thing. And has anybody had worse luck recently than, than Richard Mandela with horses between Well, I wanna between, say uh, I don't her and uh Omaha, uh, Omaha Beach. Beach. Yeah, yeah, gosh, man. But but I don't know that it's bad luck. I actually think it's good horsemanship. I think that he is much more conservative than other than maybe some other trainers out there. You are correct on and that. And so the second that he's like, there's something a little bit wrong, they're done. They're not gonna, be, you know, continue so, to push them that way. And 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 that's why I mean that's why you saw Beholder miss an entire like yeah, year or two right. years. You know that's why you saw Omaha Beach, the favorite for the Kentucky Derby, miss that. Like probably still would have won that race even with his condition. And he was like, no, it's not the right thing to do for the horse. This is the oh, exact no, same thing. Really Richard Mandela's. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I think that's a drinking rule now, so everybody drinks. Look how small she is compared to those other horses. I mean, it's just terrific. She also, by the way, they had to pull her up completely right before the turn. Oh yeah, because like the rail she was shut off. She, she stopped and then went outside and still yeah. did this. It's such a shame. I, boy, oh boy, she she looked terrific and she's so comfortable here. Look at her. I mean, I don't even think she's all out. I think she's just man. Yeah. It's so it's so disappointing. I I really feel bad for for that group um, because. Who is that? Yeah, it was Flavian. I mean, boy, that's that's a dream right there. You got Flavian, you got a horse like that. I mean, Christ almighty, that's too bad. So my racehorse horse, though, there was a lot, yeah, that's a lot it, of disappointed right? people out there I after bet. that and news. But, but the, yeah, again, that's only not bad luck, good horsemanship. Right. By the way, but last year, Venetia and Harper won this race with the exact same buyer figure. So that, that was also another good indicator that this horse was on the right track. And it just, that's too bad. She, she's really a nice horse. Hopefully she's, you know, hopefully we see her later this summer or something and, you know, uh, she gets back to it. All right, so then the other Oaks uh, uh, Oaks Trail race was the Suncoast uh, out of Tampa Bay. So we're going back to Tampa Bay Downs. Let me pull the, uh, the live stream up there. There you go. Not the live stream. All right, we're going to, again in the final uh, the second <laughs> turn, I guess I, you should say, uh, the back stretch right here. And uh, the, the winner. Louis, I always talk first, so you, you can go. This is I mean, look up. This is Curtin's case, look by the way. Yeah, look at roll up Mo Money making a splash there and Louis Long Shots just missing all the time. Um, so the Louis Long Shots. Yeah, this is a, a, a Cassie <laughs> a Cassie trainee in Curlin's catch, and obviously you can tell by the uh, the name where the where the breeding comes from. Uh, it was okay. I mean, I, I like the I like waiting over two turns. That's good, but I I just I there was something about this race that wasn't terribly impressive to me. Maybe it was the field, but um, you know that. This was a show's too popular moment where Il Malocchio got bet down from ten to four, um, but the you know I really wanted to see a little bit more out of anyone in this field. The thing I love though that she did right here is she's going to make her oh, own the path. Split, look at that! Boom, right between horses. You love that with young horses when they're willing, they want to get to the front, they make their own path like that. That was mm -hmm. the one thing about her in this race where that when she made that move, I went, ooh, like that. But otherwise, I mean, the speed just wasn't yeah. there. She's not terribly fast. She's not Moonlight Dior, for example. <laughs> um, but, hey, I mean, it's still – she made her own path. Can Cassie get her going? Maybe. We'll see. Let's go back to that, by the way. Well, you like to see that. You like to see that from a filly because, you know, she's also won her very first race. They thought enough mm. of her. They thought she was – like strong enough to face the boys. So she uh -huh. faced the boys on debut and then they brought her to face the girls in a stakes race right away, despite the fact that she was still a maiden, you know, so this is a horse that from the beginning, they're like, she's got, 
right. the guts to move forward, and she totally showed it there. I mean, we should say that there was a big scratch in here of uh, Gulf Coast scratched out of the race, who was going Two. to be one of the favorites. Yeah, for Rudolph Brisset, and then who else scratched out of there? I forgot. Five and a seven. Or? The five and the seven in that race, I'm sorry. Oh, Honor Afik, yeah, yes, for Eddie Keneally. Right. So who was another one that we thought was going to be right up there with Johnny Velasquez. So this race ended up being likely a lot softer than what it was supposed to be. But still, you know, credit where credit's due. The yes. fact that this horse was able to, like you said, make her own spot and move forward out of there. So so good job done by Mark Cassie. And, uh, we and got... Antonio Gardo, too, who is like one of the, and by the, way, the best rider at Tampa. Gulf Coast ran an aqueduct on Monday in its in a stakes. She looked terrible. So I, I don't know how strong this field is going to be in, in, in the first place. So We got a great show, though, because uh, this is really an important weekend because we make the jump from the 10-point races to the 50-point races, right? This is when things start mm -hmm. getting real. And we start – Real, real, son. Yeah. I mean, now you're going to start seeing contenders that we haven't even really seen in major races kind of start to hit the track. And the derby picture starts to get a little more clear. Uh, so – and we start today with the Risen Star. We got the Rachel Alexander for the Oaks and, like – what the Rachel Alexander's like produced what like half the Oaks winners in the last like, ten yeah. years or something like that. So uh, these are these it's are the big weekend it's for the fairgrounds. Big, it's a big weekend for the fairgrounds. If they run right, Louis, what's the going on in the fairgrounds today? Well, Oakland's already canceled the weekend, uh -huh. um, and then yeah. uh, fairgrounds canceled the rest of their card today. They ran like two races and canceled. And oh, really? They have rain in the forecast tomorrow and Saturday. So all of my turf picks, by the way, at at Oklahoma, or excuse me, at the fairgrounds, are based on either <laughs> yielding or we're sloppy, and that horse better have some some dirt pedigree. So um, the other thing that I so Megan's totally gonna make fun of me for this. I called Laurel mm. today to find out if they were still racing on Saturday because the high is thirty, and so really? um, I wanted to make sure their stakes card was still on. I called. The guy said, "Hey, no changes." I said, "All right, there you go." There so, you go. So it's a big day, at Laurel, too. I mean, lots of stakes races. No mm -hmm. points races, but it's still a big day. So we're going to actually come back. We're going to talk about the day at Laurel. Uh, but we will be right back on the live version of the Horse Racing Happy Hour. All right, segment two of our cheesy music. You like our, you like, oh, wait, I got you guys muted. I'm sorry. Megan's muted. It's nice. All right, Louie's muted. All right. You're muted me? Well, Why? Because we were on break and you were doing stuff and I didn't want it to come through. I had to plug my computer and I was going to die. No, I understand. You that. were doing stuff. <laughs> well, welcome to the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Oh. Live on Twitch, live on Twitter, at Horse Happy Hour if you want to tweet at us. You know, give us some us. comments. Let us know. We're going to start doing some handicapping. And uh, so tell us we we're are. wrong, whatever <laughs> else. I, it doesn't, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's I'm, my favorite thing to do, me. but yeah. to Louie. I like it. It's You're wrong, sir. Salty Megan shows up in the <laughs> handicapping. There you go. Yeah, so yeah Salty Megan salty might have not just been segment one. Right. So. Stay tuned. Just like <laughs> light salt. Okay, I could have gone... <laughs> 
strong island salt. You got real salty. Talk about the fact that Horse Racing Nation says that they can't tag Cody Photography in their photos because it's a glitch in the mobile system. So why don't you give credit where credit's due there? That's your salt. Megan and margaritas. Salty margaritas. All right, here we go. She's a burger. She is a burger. Let's go to Golden Gate first, man. You want to go to Golden Gate? Okay. We'll just we'll do the El Camino Real and Okay. No. No. Let's do Laurel first. Okay. I don't East Coast to West Coast. Oh, I see. I do see Golden the Golden Gate Fields on my thing first. All right. Because uh, that, that does have 10 derby points. Um, not, you know, we got so many races, and we've already gone so long. Lou, you just want to show out who you like in the Golden Gate at the, in the El Camino Real Derby real quick? I mean, this it's sounds also, like the kind of race that you want to talk about for 25 minutes, and it really doesn't matter. Oh, it's the, it's the linguistics lesson of the day, too. Um, do you know what Camino Real means there, Michael? Uh, the El Camino is what I put my backyard furniture in when I first moved. Uh, got my Isn't house Camino a street? Very good. It's a path. Isn't yes, that's right. And a real means path. It, it can be the real path or the royal path. My sense is this is the royal path. Mm. And so, yeah, everyone learned something. And so, uh, the was, royal path to the Preakness. That's right. Yeah. To run. <laughs> is that a thing again this year? Is it, it an automatic? Is. Birth it is. Into the... Yep. So, so everyone's uh, this race gets an automatic entry into the Preakness. Yep. But an guess automatic what? trip to Pimlico. Guess what? Any three-year-old <laughs> could have an automatic trip to Pimlico. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's true. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and disagree with that. I think that's a needless besmirchment of Pimlico. So, all right, you so love, okay, you love that place. You I can't. I do. I love Pimlico. All right, so I mean, the Saratoga, day of racing that they have Pimlico. on Freakness Day, yeah, that is such a cold take. It's not even funny. <laughs> I love, I love Pimlico. I hate Saratoga. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. Is that someone's dog? That's Megan's dog. Oh, okay, got it. How can so, you hear um, that? You have good mic, apparently. Yeah. So, um, all right. So, I was actually pleasantly surprised at the field in the Camino Real. I thought there were some good, uh, some really nice shippers here. So, Rombauer the nine is the morning line favorite, eight to five. He also gets the top local jock at Golden Gate, who's Kyle Fry. He's trained by Mike McCarthy. Frey, uh, Frey excuse me. Um, ran second in the American Feral behind Gitter Number, and then ran in, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, has had Mike Smith, Javier Castellano, and Juan Hernandez as a jock previously. So, this is a horse they think a lot of. Um, had a five uh, five furlong bullet workout recently at Santa Anita. Appears to be um, in great form. They gave him a couple months off here, actually, after the British Cup Juvenile. Seems to be working out really well. Must include is the nine. Ron Bauer. Petruchio is the other major shipper here, the five. Um, he's, an, he's a son of Into Mischief out of a distorted humor mare. He's three to one, but frankly, even at eight to five, I like uh, Ron Bauer a lot better. If you want the local horse here, because this is an all-weather track and not dirt, Tesoro, the three, is 20 to one, one on debut at Golden Gate, and has been working out at Golden Gate. Uh, the jockey Catalino Martinez, the trainer, um, OJ, how do you say his name, Megan? Is it Jaurgi? Jaurgi. Jaurgi, excuse me. They hit it 25% They hit it twenty five percent at Golden Gate. So he might not win, but if you're looking for a considerable long shot underneath, the three Tesoro would be the horse that I would look at here. I would love for Tesoro to win this race and run a Pimlico. That'd be terrific. Megan, do you have anything Here's to say? Here's why Louie is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> because you just said it yourself that um, that this is an all-weather surface. So typically we think turf horses yes. do better on the all-weather surface. Well, Louie, um, the five, Petruccio, has actually been first or second and run some of the best numbers of his career on the turf going a mile at Santa Anita and at Del Mar. This horse has also, though, shown some pretty good form on the dirt, including last time in the grade two um, 
Los Al Futurity finished third with uh, with Mike Smith aboard. And there were some really nice horses in there. Spielberg is a pretty um, well-liked horse for Starlight Racing. And then also the great one who came back to win its next start. So yes. the fact that this horse finished third by, by the way, the rest of the field was five lengths behind that, I actually think says that this is the perfect spot, the fact that this is a synthetic race. So I think all day long, that this is a horse that's going to do well and you know a son of into mischief we've just seen him be such a prolific sire and uh, and i really think that that's the horse to be i included the nine because of the way that he's been working and the fact that he obviously has that good experience in the american pharaoh he finished a good second by three quarters of a length which is a grade one race and then the the breeders cup juvenile you pretty much just have to like if you're not one of the top three horses unless you had significant trouble which this horse didn't i think you just cross it out and say that was too tough of a race for this horse he just wasn't ready for that as a two-year-old the water was way too hot for him so i actually think that while twirling candy is probably a better sire for the synthetic mm. and the turf than maybe into mischief is um i i think you're talking about the five and the for what are the odds on the two? Oh, i'm sorry i really don't have that up um I actually that, think this, this is, is kind of... Louie, you got one job to have yeah, the you odds. Yeah, one job, Louie. Come on. <laughs> that's part of the show, too, is that Mike and I don't look at the odds or the show sheet, and that's Louie's job. Um, but, I don't even know what a horse is. I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm what's, just here for the booze. Horse? Oh, what's fire? <laughs> Westby Rant is 8 to 1. Is what? 8 to eight 1. To one? So this for me is the forgotten horse because I actually thought that at Del Mar, um, he flashed a little bit of, of talent. And then they put the blinkers on him in the American Pharaoh, the grade one event where he went a mile and a 16th. And I think it was the competition. That was a pretty tough field, which you mentioned, get her number. And it was a grade one too, going straight from maiden to a grade one. And the blinkers clearly didn't work out because they took them off the next time. So this wasn't the equipment that was going to work. Also, something to note is that this horse is running second start off the bench. I don't love this view. Um, and so, you know, th this is, we're talking about John Sheriffs. He's very much like a Richard Mandela. I mean, why am I even here? Uh, <laughs> where he lets his horses find his feet. And that's, I think, what's happening here. I think the sham was, a, a, a you know, not a great race for him. It was a tough spot to come back. He finished a really bad fourth by like 20 lengths. But I think this is where we see him come back. So I would not leave that horse out of possibly some of your tickets if it's like, you know, your, your B ticket, if you have a strong feeling about one of the other two we mentioned, or if you want to use them in like an exacta, I really think that, that this horse is going to bounce back here. All right, so let's go on to uh, Laurel, where we have six listed stakes. No graded stakes, but six listed stakes out of Laurel. No, we have a graded stakes, don't we? The uh, race seven, the um, run happy Barbara Fritchie. Well, listen, is seven for a long. I'm just letting you know three. if it's a, um, if it's a graded stakes, it's not listed as a graded stakes on the show sheet. All on I basically stakes. did the show sheet today without telling you guys, and uh, <laughs> there are two great. So things. I'm well informed. All right, two so what are the great, great threes on this card? All right, but then you know, oh yeah, there's also the general the show sheet. So, so the last two. Yeah, are great so you threes. can't right. expect Mike to know. <laughs> All right, I didn't expect him to look at the show read, sheet. Read the dummy. <laughs> read the cue cards. <laughs> that's, dummy. that's fair. That's fair. Okay, <laughs> race three is the first list of stakes of the day. It's Miracle, the Miracle Wood Stakes. It's one miles on the dirt for three-year-olds. $100,000 race here. Uh, who do we like in this race? Um, I like the four and the seven. So hmm. I am on May the Horse Be With You for Brittany Russell and her husband, Sheldon Russell, I'm definitely, is aboard. I'm definitely going on that That's one. Mike's horse. He's going to pound that one. Yeah. Everything. All day long. That My entire house. TVG account is going on May the Horse Be With You. <laughs> the interesting thing about this race is that 
Laurel is a one-turn mile, so we have a lot of horses that are stretching out to a mile for the first time. However, it's technically like an elongated sprint. It's like the 400 in track. Like, it's not really a distance, but it is. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think that's something to take into account, but the fact that every single one of these horses is doing it makes it a little bit of an unknown. Sure. Um, so I like the fact that at least the scouting has shown that he's got plenty of speed, but he's not necessarily a, a need the lead type, in my opinion. Um, he finished a really good second last time in a stakes race, which that winner of the race is actually in here in the same event. Um, but I just think that he's shown multiple times that he's likely the better horse and he's got I think good enough speed away from the gate the rider actually Sheldon um, was aboard last time lost the whip as well and the horse was still really competitive so I that's gonna be my top pick and then I put the seven there literally dropped his crop dropped the whip yeah yeah wow yeah and so and he still finished a really good race so subsidizes the seven you know this is a Chad Brown Mm. horse who's coming in from New York so pretty much just, I mean, you could just single this and, hit, and hit move board, on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, he won his last race. He He's only finished for second or third. It did take him four times to break his maiden, which is a little uncharacteristic of Chad Brown horses. But I think it's also important to note that he started off at Monmouth. So that's kind of like the BC team for Chad Brown. Um, so this is what I would expect from, from like that level you know, it's not what you usually think. You think Chad Brown, you think like the Belmont horses, you think the ones at Goldstream, et cetera. Um, but subsidized still at least is kind of, he kind of got it. The light bulb came on. Um, they also added Lasix for the very first time because he is a three-year-old in that last race and he will race on it again, which is important to note because it seemed to make a really big difference for him. So I would expect that form to likely continue on because it's Mate, not really changing In your professional much. opinion, Megan, how do you feel about <clears throat> the plethora of horses with Star Wars names that have come into the fold. I mean, I just feel like they're Star Wars. Oh my god, I thought you were going to ask me about Lasix. I'm I so love ready for that all question. The Star Wars In your professional names. opinion, how do you feel about all the Star, Star Wars? Wars, Star Wars <laughs> Thank God we weren't going in the Lasix direction. Louis, um, all right, it. so only one horse that Megan didn't talk about is the five. Kenny had a notion who won last time's out in a hundred thousand dollar stakes um, at Laurel at seven furlongs. Of course, we're we're going. Um, not seven-eighths of a mile, as Mike would like to say, but rather a full mile here. Um, but this horse has the early speed. He's going to get out front. I'm going to hope and uh, I'm going to grasp onto something Megan said earlier, which is that all of these horses are stretching out. So I don't think mm-hmm. closing speed is going to be a huge deal here. I'm going to trust that Kenny had a notion the five can get out but front. But also, where is closing speed? The only horse that comes from off the pace is the one, Tis Mandate. The right. rest of them are speed horses. Right. And so I'm, I'm So maybe that even sets up for the one. I don't know. But Yeah, there you go. So, But I yeah. um, I also agree about the seven subsidized. I think that uh, Megan said it took him four times. Broke his maiden at the $80,000 level at Aqueduct. So, I mean, that's, yeah, but, that's, the, but those purses are higher anyways. That's what I mean. Like, that's why Kentucky uh, has to still compete because uh, none of the other tracks have razor. Understood. It's still the maiden special weight. It's not a claimer or something. I mean, it, it it's a it's a legitimate race, and so uh, I, I agree with we, Megan. We only have one maiden claimer in here, and that would be the three, the King Check, who graduated from maiden claiming. Got it. All right, Mike. Let's talk about the fourth. All right, the fourth race is John B. Cable Stakes, mile the sixteenth on the dirt, four year olds up, hundred thousand dollar race, Megan. Um, important to note here that with the stakes races, it's races three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So if you wanted to do a rolling pick three, you could start that in race number three and then start one up again in race six. And then here in race four is the 
start of a pick four. Yeah, yes. pick four. Yep. And also yep. the pick six. But it, it's an all-stakes pick four, um, which is always exciting to bet. And I think you, you can actually play this one pretty affordably. Um, so I, I have the eight on top. <laughs> Hear me out. <laughs> because I feel like bank it at this point should be a drinking rule. <laughs> because... We have just been so disappointed by this horse time after time after time. Um, he's a five-year-old horse trained by Steve Asmussen. He gets Sheldon Russell aboard for the first time, who's been riding so well. And, you know, this is one of the horses that Louis loves to besmirch because he is one for 12 in 2020 and one for eight in 2019. So I get it. I do. I totally, I totally get it. I so know you're gonna, what you're going to say, Louis. There's going to be a one I know you will. This could be the one. Yeah, exactly. Hear me out though, okay? Because this is a horse who, like starting out in 2020, he actually showed, he had some good races. He he was going like a mile, a mile and a 16th. He caught a couple of off tracks, whatever. He was in stakes race after stakes race, graded stakes race. Um, and then they cut him back to seven furlongs, which was just way too short for this horse. And so each time he went seven furlongs, it was at Saratoga in a stakes race, he finished a bad fourth. Then they try him again, seven furlongs in the uh, Russell road. He finished a bad fourth again at Charlestown, which by the way, that's like a weird track anyways, because it has the tight turns. Then they put him in the grade three ACAC and that was just too tough of a competition for him. So I think the graded stakes level at this point for him was too tough. The distance was too short. And then the only other really bad effort from him, and it was still like a a third against some nice horses was when they brought him back to seven furlongs at aqueduct every other time if you cross out those four races for the most part every other time this horse has actually performed pretty well so i think the fact that this is not a graded stakes race it is a listed stakes race and the fact that we are going a mile and a 16th against not that tough company like this is the race that Bankit will win the other situations in my opinion were just not his forte so i'm gonna give this horse one more shot and i swear to god this is the last time <laughs> that i ever select him in my handicapping because i'm so tired of him burning me uh, all right this actually should be the drinking rule is when megan says no no this is the last time i'm giving this horse what out. who else have i done that with please <laughs> so all right so actually i have bank it my top two i have him second um, oh, oh wow okay that so, is very uncharacteristic so I, this is I, not the louis horse i wrote actually that i think he should be a factor. I like that he won the last time out. Sometimes with horses like this, if they don't win very often, sometimes just that that taste of getting ahead of other horses can actually kick them into winning back-to-back. -back. I'm interested to see if he maintains that form, though, because what you talked about is that he doesn't maintain winning form when he does win. However, I do like the seven Galerio in this race. Two wins, two places, lifetime at the distance, mm -hmm. not in races of this level. I totally understand. But this, like you said, is a listed stakes. Finished a game second by a neck last time out in a listed stakes at Laurel. So I love that six to one price on Galerio. So hopefully he stays at the six to one, five to one sort of level. Cause to me, then that's a win place bet like crazy. And so no, uh, I, were, I agree with you. I, yeah, that's those, the horse I like second too. Those are my two horses, seven, eight. I think you can either yeah. use both or one or whatever. Maybe that's an exacta for somebody. I don't know, but um, I like, cause I think like a seven, eight exacta could actually pay pretty well. Um, but yeah, for me, actually Galerio's on top there. The only other horse that I would consider using is the six, Dixie mm. Drawl, yeah. because not just because it's my dog's name, but, um, <laughs> you know, this is a horse that similarly has done very well um, recently. I mean, in 2020. <laughs> what the heck was that? He was taking the cork off the bottom. Oh, of course, <laughs> is that like a duck? 
Um, uh, in 2020, this horse won half of its race. Okay, enough. I'm literally going to leave this show <laughs> on my anniversary Salty. of being on it for the first time. Salty. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was saying. Dixie Draw. Dixie Draw. Yeah. Well, last time I was I mean, yep. yeah, this horse just, you know, has the recency. You talk about horses that like to win. This horse likes to win. It, it's six for 15 here at, at Laurel. Yeah. Um, and so you get, you come from the barn of Dale Capuano as well, who's like, you know, the Maryland Bob Baffert or Chad Brown or Peter Miller, Brad Cox. The mayor of Maryland. Yeah, right. yeah, like it's just, this is the guy, right? Um, and you get a high percentage rider aboard too. So I know that this horse is taking a bit of a step up here, but the consistency is something to lean on where you have, um, you know, where the one thing that is a little bit that you could question, I'm I'm personally not, you could question the fact that Bankett hasn't run since December 12th of 2020, but you also have to take into account that this horse has never had a break. He's just run back to back to back to back to back. So maybe for him, he needed to run fresh. And that's bills. what we're getting here. All right, yeah. race uh, race five is the Nellie Morse stakes. It's a mile and 16th for Phillies and Mares. Four-year-olds and up, $100,000 on the line. What do you think, Megan? I actually thought this was the race where you get a price. I um, do you think Louis? Oh, that's okay. Oh, is this your single Louis? <laughs> this is Louis single. Wow. Yes, head to head action. Okay, I like it. Um, no, I actually think you you go pretty short on your tickets. I only took the mm. four and the seven to start. Um, if you're playing the pick three and then the pick four, you know eight maybe seven and six on there but you might even single in the first leg of the pick four with banquet i just think he's classical class as we say um but race five you've got a, a listed stakes race they're gonna go a mile and a 16th here i have the seven on top wicked awesome for um ferris allen and horacio caramanos this horse is coming in from a grade three he finished mm -hmm. a good second as a long shot um last time with horacio aboard and, and he does seem to be a horse that can needs to sit off the pace and make a, a little bit of a late run He's done pretty well at this distance. He's done excellently this year in 2020. They've placed him extremely well. He's five for nine, I believe, in his career, uh, or in this year, rather. So that horse is going to go on top for me, and he's only um, nine hey, to two. So Megan, Phillies, yeah. Phillies and Mares. So let's, let's use the pronouns. Oh, she, sorry. She. Yeah, yeah. No, you're good. No offense. You do not know how they This horse is non-binary. They. Yeah, right. Yeah. Lucky Stride is two to one in here and um, makes a lot of sense because if you go back in this horse's recent form, the only two bad efforts were both on turf going long. So if you cross out the October 31st race and the September 26th race, you know, this horse has done really, really well recently. However, does need quite a bit of help up front. So this is a horse that needs a target to run at and at two to one high percentage jockey and trainer, I certainly think needs to be included, but I felt like this was really competitive. Then you have a horse like the one landing zone from Claudio Gonzalez, who also comes out of that grade three race. So a little bit of class relief here, where seems to be good at the distance, draws the rail, likes to go forward early, trainer wins at 23%. Like, how do you leave that horse off? You know, so as, as you were continuing to go through, I thought you could make a case for almost any one of these. I'll, I'll just tell you about my long shot, but I'll mention the other numbers that I put in there. Seven, nine, one, two, three, four. My long shot in here is the six, uh, Pat's No Fool at 30 to one, because this is a five-year-old mare who is gonna run second start off the layoff here. Mm. She actually was pretty well intended last time. She was only about like almost 
five to one uh, at Laurel. And granted, it was an allowance optional claiming event, but she ran a pretty decent race. She was in touch with the field and just didn't have a lot of finish to her. But I kind of expected that from the layoff. So now she comes back here and, and don't be fooled by the 8% that Gary Capuano is running at right now because he is a very, very good trainer. And, you know, that that on the year of 18% is much more accurate, I think, of his ability. Um, Heavy on Toledo has been aboard before and gets back on this horse. And I actually don't think that she needs to be far off the pace. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of an aggressive ride because that's what she did back in 2019. She either led or sat just off the pace. So I think she's a little bit more adjustable than what it appears on paper at first. And if this race kind of falls apart, um, because I do think there are a couple of speed horses in this spot, then you could be looking at a big long shot. And so I thought she at least needed to be included for a little bit of a, of a value play. My single here is the nine lucky stride. Uh, love the move to the dirt. And that's all I'm going to say. We're going to go. Let's all right. Going. Well, because if we don't, we're going to have a two hour show. <laughs> so, um, Race number six, the Wide Country Stakes, seven furlongs on the dirt for Phillies, three-year-olds, $100,000 race. Megan, go. Uh, five and seven for me. So I shortened things back up here. And I'm going to use the uh, Five Street Loot for John Robb, who's winning at 27% and <laughs> seems to have some speed. This horse is uh, six for seven lifetime. The only bad effort was a second place by a neck. was just unlucky that day. And uh, yeah, probably honestly should be a single. Although again, Brittany Russell is training so well right now. She's winning at 30% and she's an excellent, excellent horsewoman. Her husband Sheldon is above the, uh, aboard this horse. Um, won by 14 lengths last time at the maiden special weight level. And this is the first time that we're gonna see her get Lasix as well. Um, so I think that that could probably only help her. And um, she was in a pretty productive first race as well. The horse. Uh, multiple horses out of that race came back to win their next start. So I thought it was a pretty good, um, you know, start to her career. And, and that was not against nobody too. She faced 11 horses in there, 10 horses in there. Um, so I think little Huntress should be included. So I, I really went five, seven. I thought about putting the three on there, fraudulent charge for Lacey Gaudette, who finished a good second in a stakes race, although um, graduated from the maiden claiming level. So just a step below some of these others. And I typically don't love to take maiden claimers against maiden special weight graduates especially when that horse won the maiden claiming race in the slop with some speed because it tends to be a little bit of a conveyor belt so i don't know that it's an accurate showing of their talents but the fact that she was able to come back and finish a good second over a fast track in a stakes race spoke to her talent so i i may put the three on there if i can afford her but i'm more focused on the five and the seven I think the five is this, if you're going to single is the play I, horse that Megan didn't mention. I'm a little surprised that she likes the seven, but not this horse, which is the two salt plage uh, one on debut. And then one against open company, second time out um, and an optional claimer wasn't available for claim that day is only run twice trained by Linda rice coming in from parks parks, Laurel to me, kind of the same level uh, sort of uh, tracks. And so a huge blistering paces up front in those races um, and so if the horse can maintain that kind of speed in this kind of field, I think she actually has a shot um, to win. But I agree with Megan that uh, Street Loot the Five is the absolute favorite here. All right. The first grade three, right? Is that what it is, even though it's not on the show sheet? Race seven is the run happy. <laughs> no, it's not on the show sheet. <laughs> Barbara, I don't know, Fikey, Fetchy, Stakes, 
Fritchie. Yeah. Right. Fritchie. Hey, Mike, who so is Barbara Fritchie? So close. Uh, listen, I'll, I'll check that out while you guys. Uh, <laughs> oh, Megan, oh, last okay. week, he was all about giving us listen, the, the backstory. If this was of a these race races. that was a derby prep, I'd be all it, about it. It snowed in Louisville, so we can't operate at full capacity. Seven furlongs. <laughs> we can't even put on Megan dad shirts. For Phillies and Mares. <laughs> listen, this is a dad get up for sure. No, no, no. You can't even wear your nice dad shirt because it snowed <laughs> in Louisville. Please. You guys, you guys are just as bad as the city. You get like a centimeter of snow and the whole city of Louisville is like, oh my God, what do we do? <laughs> four-year-olds and up for $250,000. <laughs> All right, Megan, quit <sighs> acting like a four-year-old and talk about them. All right, go ahead. <laughs> my, my dog is yelling at me. Um, okay, I have the eight here, uh, and that is Hello Beautiful, who's done nothing but win since this horse has gone to Laurel Park. Seven for seven at this track and, and nearly flawless in every single one of the races. The only race where she didn't fare very well was at Saratoga in the grade two prior S against Frank's Rocket, who is just a monster, right? And then um, the Audubon Oaks at Ellis Park, which there's really not too much of, um, of an excuse for that, except for the fact that she had a little bit of a rough start to that race. But I mean, this is a seriously talented horse. If I'm not mistaken, I, I well, no, maybe it's not. Oh no, okay, I have them mixed up. There was a horse named Well Hello, who started off in the Dan Blacker barn here in California mm. and then moved to the East Coast. But Hello Beautiful is, has pretty much been in the, um, the East Coast for her entire life. I think that's the horse to beat in here. That's your possible single as well. Uh, the only other two that I would use would be the three. Don't let Sweet Fulia for Lacey Gaudette, who's also coming off of uh, five consecutive wins in the past couple of races. So 2020 was a really good year for her, unlike the rest of us. Um, and then the one sharp star for Horatio DePaz. I don't like the fact that the source is 0 for 2 at this 7 for a long distance. It seems to me like she likes a little bit more ground to cover. Um, so I I put her on there because she's got plenty of back class, but I I just wasn't sure if she stacked up against the recency of, of those two other horses I mentioned. I think in Sharp Star's defense, last time out, muddy at Aqueduct, lost by what? A, a length maybe, something like that. And so I don't know that right. it's at seven furlongs. I don't know if that's a huge knock against her. I have exactly the same three horses. So Barbara Fishy well, was a uh, basically a famous <laughs> <laughs> a famous unionist from the uh, oh. during the during the Civil War that okay. was from Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Uh, there's a poem about her. So there you go. If you want to, but by the way, her name is misspelled. What does she have to do with Maryland? I don't know. She's from Pennsylvania. She's from oh, Pennsylvania. I did misspell her name. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. I'm just, oh, you know. sorry, Barbara. Well, you hey, also Megan, didn't put that it was a great Megan, three, has so. a man ever written you a poem? Yeah. The Barbara Fritchie House is located at <laughs> 50, 154 West Patrick Street in Frederick, Maryland. Why would so, you give out her address? Well, she's not alive anymore, so I think it's a I know. Site. So, yeah, so I guess she lived there. Um, you don't know the kind of creeps that live out there. Frederick, Maryland. Shout out. All right, shout out, shout out to Frederick Maryland. Okay, so uh, okay. I'm looking, I'm looking right now to see if we have a listener in Frederick Maryland. Hang on. Uh, let's move on then to the race eight, which is the General George Stakes, which I guess they're talking about mm -hmm. General Washington. I don't know. They are. And who, is, who is General George? So General George Washington, literally. And there's actually talk about it. changing the name of this race to be more politically correct. Oh, really? Because what? now, now George Washington is politically incorrect. Just for everyone out there, I am not making that up. Wait, wait a minute. Whoa, um, whoa. Why is George Washington politically incorrect? He was a slave owner. He was also the first president of the United States. 
you're not going to get an argument from me, though. Oh, okay. I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling you what the argument is. I, I'm argument. declaring general. I'm declaring George Washington not politically incorrect. <laughs> Mike says no cancel culture. No cancel. No cancel. I'll allow it. All right. Uh, seven furlongs <laughs> on the dirt for four year olds enough. Did we just turn into that ESPN show where people just yell at each other? Three. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah, those people make like five million a year. All of sure, them. Sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Uh, Megan, who do you like in the general George Washington? Uh, I'm on the two funny guy um, for John Terranova and Sheldon Russell, so he better have a big day. Um, I thought that the the most the best races from this horse actually weren't the the past three in which he's finished second and first and then a, a fourth that I can't really explain except for the fact that it was too too long going a mile and an eighth. Um, but before that, he actually placed in the Grade Two Vospro Invitational, finished second behind Forenze Fire, who's a monster of a horse, and then at Saratoga in the slop. Um, he finished a pretty decent fourth as well in the grade one Ferrego against complexity, true timber, win, win, win. So funny guy has just faced, you know, plenty of plenty of tough horses in his career. And I think this looks to be a pretty good spot for him. So I think classic on class. The one, though, I like how versatile this horse seems to be. He draws the rail, so, you know, you'd like to think that he's probably going to show some early speed, but he hasn't done that in his past four or five races. He's come from off the pace. He's, you know, been right there in front as well. He seems to get a lot of attention at the windows each and every time he runs, and he's mostly kind of stayed around that Monmouth, Laurel, Pimlico circuit, but that's where he fits, and this is where he's running today. So um, I like the stakes experience, a grade three winner already, um when sprinting so this horse makes a lot of sense and from a high percentage barn of um Damon de Vigo as well who wins at 19 percent i thought about the six share the ride for miguel penaloza who's interesting because i don't know if it's a situation of like there's some sort of fee you know when you're trying to race a horse in a different place and you have to pay like some sort of workman's comp or whatever or if somebody can't get licensed in another state because this horse switches between antonio aragara and Miguel Penaloza each and every time, depending on where the horse is racing. So, I mean, both both trainers are about the same. One is 8%, one is 12%. So, right. you know, it's not like you're going from a 18% guy to, you know, an 8% guy. But, um, I, I mean, this horse is good enough to put in there and, and kind of the same situation applies, right? Finished a really good second in the grade three, was third in the Vospro behind Funny Guy. So I almost think if you like Funny Guy, you kind of have to like the six. I'm just, right. I feel like the two is a little bit more reliable for whatever reason. The only horse Megan didn't mention that I would talk about is a longer shot, the four Majestic Dunhill. And that's if we get like a muddy off track. Um, he's he's actually posted his very best buyer speed figures on off tracks. And so if we do get, for some reason, we get a sloppy track or a muddy track, uh, we got a hundred speed figure in a grade three Add Belmont Park out of that horse. So Majestic Dunhill would be the only horse that I would add there. All right. Is that all of Laurel? That's all of Laurel. Then we're gonna That's all of Laurel. By the way, what was the town you mentioned in uh in Maryland? Frederick, Maryland? Yeah, we got a ton of listeners in Frederick, actually. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I say a ton. I'm sorry. Uh, on the scale of Maryland, so probably ten. So, so we're gonna come back. We're gonna talk <laughs> about the fairgrounds and uh they may or may not be racing. We're not hundred percent sure what's gonna happen in the fairgrounds. We'll see, you know, uh, but we'll talk. As about of it. right now, they are. So as of right now, they are. We'll be right back. This is the Horse Racing Happy Hour.
All right, we're back. Keep going. Go out to the fairgrounds. Louie, you were going to go this race last year. You were going to be there last year. <sighs> this is was the, going to. Yeah, this was the my last chance pre-COVID to do something fun, and it just didn't work out. Mm. Ouch. I guess going out to Megan's Forum is not fun. All right. Uh, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> the besmirchment. <laughs> needless besmirchment. We got all kinds yeah. of stakes races going on out uh, out in uh, Louisiana. and uh, Louisiana. We got six of them, actually, again. And we do I think we a, should do Gulfstream first, though, shouldn't we? We have not. We don't have Gulfstream on the show sheet. I'm just, I texted Louie to put Gulfstream I, on the show sheet. I'm just following the show sheet. And by the way, what's that Gulfstream? If we put Gulfstream on here, then we're literally going to be like talking until midnight. I've got a six-day okay, appointment. Okay, hold, hold, hold on a second. Hold what's on a it Gulfstream? What's it Gulfstream? Two stakes races, two graded stakes races. In fact, yeah. I will tell you who I like because you guys didn't do your homework. <laughs> uh, the grade three Gulfstream Park Sprint, I number even, one. I didn't going... get PPs. Are there PPs out today? For yeah, I sent them to you. And I'm looking at the text and I told you Gulfstream Park Stakes plus Florida Derby. I, I, I understand you see that? There's, there's no Derby right points there. there. We, we were already doing Laurel. We have to talk about the LPL There's no Royale. Derby points at Laurel either. Gross. So the six is who I like in here. <laughs> Leinster, who you guys love Leinster. to talk about. So yeah, so I'm surprised you didn't want to do this. You're coming off of like- Drink. Is that Leinster, a thing you roll? Drink. Leinster, Leinster, <laughs> how are we saying it? <laughs> uh, so I actually think that he's probably going to come back here in a really big way. And then you've got a Vicky Oliver horse as well. Smart remark with Jose Ortiz, the one who um, is pretty talented and I think is in a big spot to move forward. So six of the one for me in race six, since I'm just doing the show by myself. Oh in race God. number 11. Hey, you know what I can race do Race number right 11. I just, the just, mute. Boop, right there. <laughs> She'll leave though, and I don't want her to leave. Okay. <laughs> if I leave, where will you be? Um, uh, we'll be right back where we started. I don't know, picking winners at fairgrounds with me. Probably. You'll be right back where you started a year ago before you had me on the show. All right. Um, race number eleven. The race number eleven is the race Grade 11. Three Gulfstream Park Sprint, yeah. which is going six furlongs here, and you've got some pretty notable horses in here as well, including mischievous Alex for Safi Joseph, who has heard been in some horse. really tough spots before. Yep, you've heard of him because he's running the Alan Jerkins, the Woody Stevens, Grade One races like that, um, and he comes off of a really soft win in an allowance race, and he's going to jump back up to graded stakes company here. He's two for two at Gulfstream. He's one for one in 2021, so he's the horse to beat. But you also have horses like Edgemont Road who is trained now by Eddie Keneally since Will Van Meter has, uh, is no longer a trainer. And um, so he picks this one up, stepping up in company from those allowance levels, but actually has a really, really good record. So expect this horse to do well, especially with the addition of Jose Ortiz. And then you've got a horse like the two, Chivalry for Ralph Nix, who's also been in some very big races, including the Swale, the yeah. Travers, the Bluegrass, and then race seven, or I'm sorry, the seven horses, Frosted Grace for Kathy Ritfo, who is another one that's coming off of the, um, allowance races at Goldstream Park, Goldstream Park West, but get, you get Louis Sias aboard and this horse's record, it's had 10, 10 races in 2020, uh, one win, six seconds and two thirds. So it's been right there each and every time. And um, and I think is prepared to to face this kind of group and will likely be a higher price as well. So, so I think a Louis pretty, pretty competitive group. You can even pick up that nice DQ. All right, so <laughs> race seven though, out at, uh, at the fairgrounds in, in Louisiana. Is uh, the Colonel Power stakes? Is Colonel Power a slave owner, and is that politically correct? Uh, in Louisiana, probably. Okay, Colonel Power stakes a hundred thousand dollar race for four year olds and up. 
five and a half furlongs. That's what they call a sprint, and it is on the turf. Supposedly, most likely not. <laughs> Megan loves five and a half furlong races. All right, so weather, weather, weather. Rain today, rain tomorrow, rain Saturday. I'm looking for a run actually out of the five. Turn to side who is playing. Is this a tur- is this a turf pick or a dirt pick? Turf pick. Okay. Last two times the track was listed as good or yielding. Several others to look at. Impossible to ignore the form on the four extravagant kid, which is also a terrific horse name. Uh, Brendan Walsh, Flores Rook teaming up there. Impossible to. I mean, just uh, just missed the last two times out. Should be a factor here. Um, the one Manny Wah defeated the three just might at this track at this distance last time out on january 16th something to watch i think both might be includes here these sprint turf races man i i very rarely feel comfortable singling i usually spread in these kinds of races um if you want one more there's a horse named Arcadust, who's the seven he's five for seven lifetime at the distance so i like lots of playable horses here i went five four one seven three meg oh that's like the whole field all right uh, so four, three, and suck. maybe one. Okay, I yeah. think We're, that's my top five. Well, I think extravagant kid. Yeah. Uh, who has done very well, better on turf. But you want to talk about the race being potentially taken off of the jump on him. Know, that's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a horse who comes off of a really good second place effort in a stakes race at Gulfstream Park, going six furlongs on the main track. Um, which I actually disagree i think even if the races are taken off of the turf course you're not necessarily going to see a sloppy racetrack like they're going to know well in advance that they'll probably seal the track or work with it and try to dry it out as much as possible i mean if it's raining day of for sure but i i don't know i'm not going to handicap for an off track just yet but i am going to keep in mind horses that you know have proficiency both on and off the turf um now my dog's going to play with a toy. So the four extravagant kid is going to go on top for me. Just might, I would say is probably the best horse in the Michelle Lavelle barn. I mean, mm. this is a very, very solid contender. Um, Colby Hernandez knows this horse extremely well, and they just seem to have figured out what he wants to do. He is a turf sprinter through and through, and and uh, he's been training really well. I, I feel like he's sitting on a big effort here. He's a horse that you know has been in plenty of stakes races and plenty of graded stakes races at that, but likely just a little bit too tough for him. So this feels like the kind of company that he's going to move forward against. You know, I think you can consider a horse like the the one Manny Waugh, um, but you know, he just leaves himself so much to do and he's got much more dirt form than he does turf form. So last time, yes, he comes out of a win at 12 to one on the turf at, uh, at fairgrounds. But, you know, are we going to see that kind of performance from him again? I just don't know that one as a long shot and two, his first time on turf, like, was that a fluke or is that something that we're going to continue seeing from him? So I am likely going to go just four and three in here. Okay. So let's move on to race number nine we're gonna skip race eight because race eight must be some sort of allowance race or main special weight or whatever it's a very <laughs> high level allowance race yeah okay race nine is the albert m stall who i feel like i know who that person is i feel like i you, yeah you do yeah. you do you uh do. memorial stakes a hundred thousand dollars four-year-olds and up mama 16th on the turf i but mean you have to think that al stall is gonna try to win the race right like it's named after his dad you would hope and he so? has the seven. Right. So I feel like probably that one is gonna And actually I wanted to look this up, but I forgot to. I don't know if he's ever first of all, how long this race has been called, the Al Stall. And then how many times, if any, has his son won it? 
would be interesting to know. Oh. Um, okay, let me. I'll, I'll figure out part of that. So the, the seven. I'm glad you caught that go. hint. I'm glad you got what I was putting down there for <laughs> Mike to go do that. <laughs> you know, Mike. <laughs> research. Engaged. Mike is also our research department as well as the producer and, yeah, right. <laughs> and host of the show. Before it was the Albert so, M. Uh, before it was the Albert M. Stahl Memorial Stakes. It was which the, is when was it called that though? Well, for the first let time. Let me just kind of like do my All right. Jesus. It was the Daisy Divine Stakes before that. I loved that horse. Did you? Well, there you it go. was spelled like my last name too. It, it was. Which is not always the yeah. case. Uh, yeah, she was a good horse. It was. It changed at the Albert. Um, and before that, it was actually, it was the, the Daisy Divine Stakes um, until uh, it was 1968 to 2015. It was the Bayou Handicap Stakes. And then in mm. 2015, mm. it became the Daisy Divine Stakes, and that was short-lived. This actually might be the first running of really? the actual Albert M. Stahl. Yeah, I think it was. I think last year this race was the Daisy Divine. And actually, do you know who won this race last year? Tell me it was Al Stahl. <laughs> She's on the warpath, so that's who won it last year. Oh, okay. Uh, beat Mitchell Road. Mitchell Road won the year before, beating Bo Recall. So this this horse, this race has had oh, some horses. serious race. This yeah. is a pretty good race. Yeah. Uh, well, and I think we're going to see a pretty good horse in the seven, Delica who is a German bred mare and she's obviously bred for the turf. Um, you know, she last time had a, a bit of an off effort. She was favored, but didn't really finish the race in good form. Like we're used to seeing from her. She was right in touch with those leaders. She was, you know, second by half a length sitting off the pace. And then she just faded really, really badly to finish fifth beaten by four lengths. So I don't know what the issue was for her there. She came off of a, a layoff beautifully um, from October to December. She came back at fairgrounds at a stakes race and she won by two lengths and she was able to show some speed. So, you know, typically I, I would say maybe this is a horse who just like threw in the towel because she didn't have the lead, a need the lead horse, which we often see. But that's not the case with her because she's actually won sitting off the pace and quite a bit off the pace as well. She can be a hard closer if she needs to, which I tend to think, especially on the turf, that versatility um, is extremely important. Uh, so I like her a lot at seven to two. The second horse I would choose is Secret Message, who these two went um, – this is a bit of a rematch between a lot of these horses, in fact. Right. But secret message for Brad Cox, Sean Bridgman, like we've seen this before. Third off the bench, definitely needs some something to run at, a target. So if there's not a lot of early speed, I would be curious about what her chances are in here. But she still is something, a horse that needs to be considered. And then the two, Temple City Terror for Brendan Walsh and Florent Giroux, I actually think could be sneaky good at 12 to 1. Hmm. Because this is a horse who... Ran in the stakes race last time against this field, but had just an awful trip. It was extremely wide uh, pretty much the entire way around. And again, we're getting third up, third off the layoff here, third off the bench, whatever you want to say. So this horse should be in peak physical condition. I think you're going to see that from the Brendan Walsh horses on this day. There will be a few others that we'll talk about, I'm sure. Um, and Florent Giroux gets aboard, who, who's winning it nearly 30%. So yeah, you have awesome. to think that this mare is ready to fire. The one caveat I will say, though, is that she is also another one that lacks that early speed. So if there's no front end runners in here, I, I'm worried for quite a few of these horses with their chances. But I still think that um, that she's your value play. I, I find it's it's incredible. So we one of the first races we covered as a group 
was that um, Mitt Julep here at Churchill Downs, which Secret Message won, and she was like 30 to 1 or something, and now she's 5 to Mm -hmm. 2 in this kind of race, right? And I agree with you. I think she's actually the class of the race here. The other horse that you didn't mention is the 11 Tuned, which is out of the Grand Motion Barn, Johnny Velasquez. I'm including this horse because I watched what John Velasquez did last weekend at Tampa, and I can't get it out of my head. And so um, (laughs) I'm I'm literally not sure, and I watch a lot of horse racing because I have a problem. That any jockey right now is, is First doing. First step is admitting it. Uh, hey, look, it, it is what it is. But I, <laughs> I'm not sure there's a jock that's seeing the course better in the country right now than Johnny Velasquez. And that's not surprising. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. But um, I, that price, too, six to one is really, really good. Um, Tuned has been running events, horses like Zofel, and I mean, bye bye, like horses like that. So I think this drop a little bit here will be good for that horse. So I'm 911 in this race, but I don't agree with, or I don't disagree with anything that I can say. All right, we're going to go on to the the 10th race, which starts the pick four here. Uh, It is the Mineshaft Stakes, and that would be an all stakes pick four. Uh, This all graded stakes pick four, actually. This is a grade three, $200,000 race, four year olds up, mile in a 16th. Uh, Louis, you're supposed to be going first, so that's know. okay. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ask Megan a question. <laughs> question, okay. Megan. Here's my question. Maxfield? Question mark. Yes. Okay. Let's go to the next race. All right. So this is a no, 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 no. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Hold oh. On, hold on. <laughs> oh. I say yes because I have been such a big fan of this horse from the beginning. And he's never lost. And I, yeah, but like, even so, he, you know. I just, the way he runs, it's not that he's won every time. It's the way he's done it that's been so impressive. And, you know, maybe even last time, which was his, you know, just a listed stakes race for him. Um, but it was probably the least impressive. Like, when <laughs> the stakes are high, he brings his A game. And I just think that he, I saw a video of him schooling in the paddock at fairgrounds and he looks to be in tip top shape and Brendan, Brendan Walsh is a a great conditioner of horses and he wouldn't send him out there unless this horse is 110%. He just won't. And so, yes, the, the, the short answer is Maxfield hundred percent. Um, but I will say that there is something to be said for, you know, he had a pretty long layoff from May to December. He came back, he had that soft spot, let's call it right. Um, and, now he shows up in a pretty decent race, the mine shaft. Oh, there we go. That, was this, this, is that, this is the Matt Win. This is the Matt Win. This is the Matt Win. This was impressive for him, I thought, um, against some pretty, some pretty traffic, decent horses. Rate. Yeah, and, and the question mark was on here too, right? Because he hadn't raced since October of 2019 when he originally got hurt. Just wins. Um, so, and, and this is a horse who was supposed to be favored for the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Like, this was big, big news when he got hurt. And I actually remember going back to the barn because I'm, I'm good friends. I used to gallop with uh, Brendan's now assistant, Paul Madden, who was at Blackwood Stables when I was there. And he was, I, I asked how Maxfield was, and he was like, honestly, you know, he's, he's mostly fine. It's just a little something, and so we're just not willing to risk it. So they're um, they're just so conservative with this horse. But uh, what number is he in here? Is he the? Really he's outside. Know. He's outside. Six? Yeah, that's right. No, no, no. He's, he's the eight. He's the eight. He's the eight. Wait, what? Oh no, he must be the. N- he's outside. Ten. He's the things the ten. There were two. Yeah, on the form he's the eight, but the. He's the ten there. He's the ten. Yeah, yeah. that's him right there. Just yeah, I tried around. to. I well, tr- somebody, I, somebody I'll should tell the daily it. racing form that. <laughs> Because he's listed as the eight in there. I'll never forget it because I, I I tried to bet against him in that race. It was so stupid. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm done. I'm but. done doing that. By the way, I want to say, pick four ends in this race. Pick four starts in this race. I'm singling Maxfield for both. Just go ahead, Max. Go. 
Okay. So who are you also uh, including, Megan? Who else? Wells Bayou. Yes, I agree um, with that. I agree with that. Has been in some pretty good races. And I mean, like, is Brad Cox's reign going to end here? I mean, he just. And seems it's Johnny V. Yeah, and it's Johnny V. So anything he has is just firing right now. Um, and this horse had a pretty tough race in the Arkansas Derby against Nadal and King Guillermo drink. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, came back out of that race in the, in the grade three event with Florent Giroux and, and finished third that day. But. I thought had a little bit of trouble and probably just needed the race to move forward. There's always one horse for me that kind of like t- nags at me when I'm handicapping and I can't really explain Tacitus. why I like this horse. Oh. No, it's usually <laughs> it happened when I was at, at Sanita park with, with Tom Quigley and we'd be sitting up mm. in this like tree house essentially is where they had us before they built that set. And, and, the horses were walking around behind us so I could get a good view of the horses before we went on air. And then to our left, they would walk out to the racetrack. And every now and then I would look over and I'd be like, oh, the six looked really good. And of course, didn't pick that, right? But just, it caught my eye. And I feel like Enforceable is one of those horses. Mm. He's six mm-hmm. to one. Yep. And it just feels like he really likes fairgrounds. Assistant trainer David Carroll has said multiple times just how much this horse changed down in Louisiana leading up to the Kentucky Derby and, and the bluegrass which is obviously too tough for him but i feel like you know if you want to talk about a horse that has he's already as fit as he's going to be whereas you have horses like wells bayou and you have horses like maxfield who are second start off the layoff and and maybe are not you know as fit as a horse like enforceable who's been racing pretty consistently like do we use him as well on the off chance that there is an upset i think he's the horse to get it if you like enforceable, then I'm sorry. You have to like Sonnenman. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know. If if you really feel that way, then this is like a five or six possibility no. horse. The, the, why would I like that horse when the only race the last time? Oh no, I'm sorry. He did win at Churchill Downs. I missed that one. I was going to say the last time he won was at Goldstream Park, going seven furlongs. <laughs> enforceable was beaten. And he finished right. And he finished right. But behind enforceable has lots more back class I mean, than he does. Yeah. Enforceable but ran that, really well. I don't know. Far, but that was the. Year. I think enforceable. Was was tested in way tougher races than than Sonneman was. And Forceful ran in the Risen Star, finished second in Mr. Monomoy. And I remember after that race, we were like, Mr. Monomoy was just incredible. And just uh, and then inf- unfortunately, Mr. Monomoy got, was off the Derby Trail. Right. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I you know, Forceful, it's a good horse. I mean, that, there's a, one of the, the top names that we see down there. So I like Maxfield better, but I feel like if this race is – going to be an upset it's going to be that one and i right. again i i can explain it only to a point just other to tell you than like this horse has been nagging at me as i was handicapping uh the fairground stakes race 11 is a grade three hundred fifty thousand dollars for four-year-olds and up and it's one mile one mile and an eighth also known as nine how many furlongs, furlongs? <laughs> uh, on the turf nine furlongs on the turf I hate both of you. So uh, <laughs> I like a slight upset in this race. The seven don't blame Rocket, who's dropping back into a class that I seem uh, I think uh, fits the horse a little bit better. His top speed figure is actually at this track, at this distance. So perhaps he could pop up and win the class of the race, though, of course, here, I think, to me at least, is the eight factor of this. Uh, finally got a break the last two months. It's just been running and running and running. Um, and But it's been training well at Paul Meadows. So interesting to see if the that training transfers over here to fairgrounds if by strange so blackberry wine has actually entered in this race and the last race i don't know which one mm-hmm. blackberry Wine's going to run in if they run this on the dirt for some reason i think you pound blackberry wine 
to spot the one just because of the <laughs> just because of the dirt experience. And so that's the only note I have if for some reason they have to move to the dirt. Um, but otherwise, I'm on the seven, don't blame Rocket, and the eight factor this. Um, it's really interesting to me that you would even touch a horse like don't blame Rocket because like the the Louis Rebeau angle is like, what have you done for me lately? And this horse does not fit that bill, or at least it used to be. Like maybe a year ago when we, if we when rewind the show. Sure. Oh, when you met me for sure. But I, I mean, this is this is quite a bit of growth from you. <laughs> like, <laughs> but when you call out horses like that, I, I'm like, wait, what? Because this horse is one for six in 2020. I mean, for sure. yep, for sure. I, I, I just the last time this horse won was January of last year. Yeah. So I don't know what's happening that you have that horse on top <laughs> at all. Five for ten at fairgrounds so no. with three places. I, whatever, keep going, keep talking. Mm, okay, it just talk. feels wrong. Um, <laughs> I get, I get, I, I get, much get, prefer. I get my guy Miguel Mena. You keep going. Go on. Okay, you can have Miguel Mena. I will. Um, so logical myth: the six is who I like on top. The other Joe Sharp horse in here who gets out in the Skizza, um, which they have a, a well-known relationship. They they went together at 17% and this horse is obviously a turf horse has won the last two races. In fact, has finished in the top three in the past five or six races, one for one in 2020, nine for five in 20, I'm sorry, 2021, nine for five in 2020 and six for five here on the turf at fairgrounds. So this seems like the horse that I was expecting you to talk about Louie, uh, but it's going to go on top for me. And I think is, you know, we'll likely see this horse sit just off the pace. And that's, I think a really good spot to be. Because I think you have a pretty fair pace scenario that's going to come out of this field. So I have the six on top. Then the eight horse, factor this, who you mentioned already, has plenty of back class, big, big numbers um, from the Brad Cox barn and obviously likes to to race long on the turf. We've seen that time and time again. The last two races were the Breeders' Cup Mile and the grade two Florida Lee, which this horse should have won. So I don't know. Obviously, there was an issue because they gave it quite a bit of time off after that. Also, I'm really confused why the Daily Racing Forum has this horse as a six-year-old, a six-year-old <laughs> colt. It's a six-year-old colt, apparently, which is not a thing. If you're over, if you're five and up, you are a horse. So just work on that DRF. Or um, a Ridgling or a Gelding, but just yeah, not a colt. You're not, right. <laughs> you're I don't not know what's happening. Either the six or the colt is wrong. Uh, <laughs> and then the four horse is one I wanted to talk about. That is uh, Danceteria, who was bred in France. She's I, a, love, I love. Or he, I, rather. He is a six-year-old. Love that you're talking about this horse. Keep going. You didn't mention him. so I don't. No, no, no. Well, because my phone's about to die and you talked like 75% of the show. Oh, okay. Well, that's because I'm the star of the show. That's, good. that's true. Uh, yeah. um, <laughs> happy anniversary. Thank you. It's all about me today. Um, so you just call this show Megan Show. Graham, Graham Motion is the trainer of this horse. And actually, I have to look and see because it's also not listed in the DRF. I didn't mean to dismirch, besmirch rather DRF so much, but that's what's happening. Um, because the, the trainer in Australia is not listed. And I don't believe it was Graham Motion when he ran. But the races that he was in, I mean, he was in group threes and group one races in France at Longchamp and Sandown Park and, um, he raced in Germany. He raced in yep. England. He's yep. uh, then he raced at Randwick, uh, or I'm sorry, in Australia at Randwick plenty of times, which is a premier track in Sydney. And it's not just the fact that he raced at Rose Hill, Randwick, and Moody Valley, which are top tier races and uh, racetracks in Australia. 
But it's also the races that he was in because he was in the Tankard Stakes. He was in the Ladbrokes, the Cox Plate, which is one of the premier races in Australia throughout the entire year. The Chipping Norton as well. And that's against horses, although he was a long shot, a very big long shot at that. Um, Lee Scurso, very elegant, is one of the top horses in Australia, or at least was last year and has been for quite a while. And uh, Teaku Shark, who you see multiple times in the form for these past races. Like this is this horse is racing against the best of the best in Australia. So he comes to the U.S. and he races at Goldstream Park going a mile and an eighth, and he finished second by, what, three quarters of a length or whatever. And I expect him to sit off the pace because that seems to be his running style. And it was, you know, he's a, um, what do they call it, a bookmarker? Or a back marker. Back marker. Back marker. In Australia. Um, Bookmarker. And, uh, you know, so now he's got the fitness. But I I think that was a nice, soft spot for them to bring him back in for that allowance race. So I am not going to hold that against him in any way. Be like, oh, they should have. This is the spot where he's going to jump up here. And Graham Motion is such an excellent trainer. And I just, the form coming out of those international races is like chef's kiss, as Louis would say. (laughs) I think actually Megan's totally wrong about the international form. And it was more of a Doug O'Neill YOLO, and I don't appreciate it. Um, But I do do agree that Graham Motion knows what he's doing. So there we go. All right, the Rachel Alexander. Now, when it comes to Oaks Preps, There's really, even though this is just a 50-point race, there's nothing better. I mean, this, this is the <laughs> top. <it's> all... <laughs> the, My phone's going to die anyway. Don't worry. You're going to get the rest of the show. It's last good. year, <laughs> the top three horses in this race were Finite, British Idiom, and Swiss Skydiver finished third. Sarah Guinea Empress, Monomoy Girl, Feral, I'm a Chatterbox, Untappable. I mean, this thing, this is it, man. Wonder Godot finished third in this race. I mean, this thing, <laughs> That's awesome. this race is about as good as it gets for the Phillies for a prep race, yeah. historically. So, uh, Megan, does this feel... I think you should let Louie go first because Louis, his phone's going to die. Louie, does this feel uh, live up to that? All right, so... Uh, because I, I you are, know. you know, Oaks point Oaks rankings in the LA Times and all that stuff, so... All right, so two of my top ten Oaks horses are actually in this one. Uh-oh. And if there was an honorable mention list... There'd be a third. And so Charlie's Penny is sixth in my rankings. Out of this race. Broken. That's the ninth horse. Broke the her leg. Eighth. She's the... out. She broke her leg? Yeah, she's out, right? I believe she's Who? been scratched. Charlie's Penny has been scratched, I believe. Let me just make sure. Oh, oh that would be a shame. All right. Um, Megan should just talk. Um, okay. The eight travel <laughs> column is in ninth place. Clary is one. She would be 11th or 12th for me. Um, Wow. Okay. The all right. Then I'll I'll mention a horse that's off the board. Yep. Then Char- Charlie's Penny's off the Oaks Trail due to injury, so she's out. Little Stitious is the seven. Little Stitious wasn't great last time out, but did win over two turns at Delta Downs early this year in stakes. Or excuse me, in December. Trained by Tom Amos, who knows a little bit about getting a filly to the Oaks. Um, <laughs> so if you're going to include a horse outside of Travel Column or Clarier, I would include the seven Little Stitious. Oh, okay. I can't believe that happened. Oh, it's yeah. terrible. No, it's uh, actually going to be the one. So Louis is completely wrong. Uh, I said Clarier. I said Clarier. No, no, no. But like, that's pretty much it. Uh, <laughs> I, one and the eight are the only two horses that you're going to include in this race. And here's why. Um, because <laughs> Clarier, your phone can die now. It's fine. Uh, Clarier is a horse who's done really nothing wrong so far in her career. She started out made in special weight for Steve Asmussen. She won on debut against some nice horses, Will Secret, in fact, who just won at Oakland Park in the Martha Washington. Am I saying that? Yep. Okay. Uh, And then was in the Goldenrod again behind 
travel column, who's the eight horse in here. So those two horses are going to go head to head again. Yep. Um, and so she finished a really good third, or second rather. And then they gave her some time off. But what I think is important here is that we're going a mile and a 16th again. And I think this is a filly that's going to get even better as she continues to age because mm. she is sired by Curlin and she is out of Cavorting, who Cavorting was a horse who made $2 million on the track. Uh, she was very, very talented. She actually um, won multiple, multiple stakes races all over the country. In fact, uh, the personal ensign was her final race that she was in, the grade one. And she was also a winner of the Ogden Phipps in 2016. And more so, Cavorting's dam was a horse named Promenade Girl, who also made over half a million dollars and won the Molly Pitcher. She uh, was a grade two winner, I believe. So the female family for this filly is second to none. And I think we're going to see that continue with this particular one. So I have the one on top expecting her to come off the freshening in good form. And then the eight horse is travel column for Brad Cox, who you mentioned already, um, has obviously shown a, a good bit of talent and has overcome some bad starts too. So I will, you know, give her that. Uh, I, I typically think that the frosted to me is much more of a miler and we're only going a mile and 16th here. So that's fine. But I just feel like Clarier has the reading to, to, go on for, for much longer. If Clarier, $850,000 purchase, they have ideas for travel column. Yeah. If Clarier wins, by the way, Steve Asmussen will be the first. Clarier, a homebred for Stone Street, who they would not let go because they should not with that family. No, they're Even right. as a broodmare, this horse is worth like a million. <laughs> well, that's a Curlin and a mom's dad. Is with the cavorting, with the promenade girl. That's like this ridiculous. family yeah, is so... Yeah, it's royal. Deep. Yeah, yeah. This is a royally bred filly. Yep, it's Angus Crowell. Asmussen would become the first trainer to win the Rachel Alexandra since it's been called the Rachel Alexandra for the third time. So he, there's only <laughs> one other trainer who's won this race twice. So Steve Asmussen's won twice. Who's the other trainer who's won it twice? Tommy Amos. That is correct. Good call. Oh, look what? at you. I'm Mr. Oaks. What are we doing? Come I'm, on. I'm Mr. Oaks? <laughs> Did you just call yourself Mr. Oaks? I'm the only person in the world that doesn't Oaks top 10. Why Why does Brad Cox not have a Wikipedia page yet? That's what I want to know. That's an important question. That is a very yeah. important question. And listen, if Ed DeRosa is verified on Twitter, Brad Cox <laughs> should have a Wikipedia page. Okay. Um, Did I just, do that? What just, what just happened? Uh, oh, we're going to go on right. to the Risen Star. And, of course, the amazing <laughs> the thing about race. the Risen Star is that Risen Star as a horse did not win the Derby. won the Preakness and the Belmont. And the Risen Star as a race has never produced a Derby winner. So... <laughs> That's what we got in this interesting. race. Interesting. Yeah, you think that's interesting? Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. <laughs> but that's not to say we've had some we've had some really impressive horses in this race. Uh, the, the star of the show for me is Gunrunner, uh, but Mucho Macho Man was in this race. I mean, there's War Story who did not win. Country House. Ever. <laughs> I'm not counting Country House. He ran second. No, no, I said War second. Story didn't win. No one won the Rids of Star and won the Derby. Country okay, House came in okay. second. Uh, okay. <laughs> and the war story won the, no war story didn't win the, no uh, war story didn't win anything no. uh nye traffic was in this race last year as was major fed um <laughs> so there you go keen ice finished third palace malice finished third in this race that's what you got so what wasn't war of will in this race war too? of will was in this race war, did win this race yeah war yeah. of will won this race okay. mr monomoy Gervin won this race. I remember Gervin coming oh, yeah. in after winning this race and like Gervin, dude. Had, oh, uh, Gervin had all the had uh, all the buzz and is like Gervin's the Danza that year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, so, <laughs> so all right, so classical class. Lawyer Ron, by the way, won this race. Nice. Yeah. All right. Nice. Nice. This is a good. 
good indicator of horses that are going to have great two careers. All right. Yeah. So the um, <laughs> if if Dude, gun runner class, was, a, was, a, was a oh star. I know all is right. one of my favorites of all time. Yeah. All so right. class going class. I. <laughs> think the six midnight bourbons the class here already won at a mile 16th at this track with a huge speed figure the morning line favorite is actually the 12 keep me in mind did he beat a good field in the kentucky jockey club i'm trying to figure that out we didn't get much out of second place finisher smiley sabotka last week so who knows i'm gonna guess no that keep me in mind did not beat a good field in that race um so the nine mandaloon is nine to two he finished behind midnight bourbon I can't really figure this field out. I'm going with an outsider here. I'm going to say that Senor Bucador, the five, Who? coming in from Remington. Oh my God. That is such a bad take. <laughs> at the track. I'm going to see where he finishes in this group. I'm going to go Midnight Bourbon first, Senor Bucador second. You're going to see Mandalu where he finishes. Third. You're going to be six, waiting a long time. Six, five, nine, twelve. I would love to take that bet. What's our bet, Megan, on Senor Bucador making, hitting the board? I don't know. We'll let you the actually, viewers how about decide. That? You we'll let the have, viewers decide. You have to come no, we'll in. We'll let the viewers decide. Like, you have to show your feet. No, we're not getting yeah, it. So. Yeah. <laughs> I am not showing my feet to anyone. Back <laughs> off. Yeah. Ridiculous. It was a one-time thing for Louis. <laughs> 2021 is not the year. Stop it. Not the year. Uh... <laughs> No, no, no. We'll just tell oh, there's, us. Megan. There's Maxine. <laughs> keep talking. Megan. So I, I, you're, yeah, that's it's. Keep me in mind. Uh, I actually disagree. I think he had a pretty, like, a pretty rough trip in that Kentucky Jockey Club. Uh, he was way, way wide coming into the stretch and made a that's huge true. move late. So yep. I think that he is a horse that was, um, was really undervalued. Uh, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and the Breeders' Futurity, in which he finished a really good second and a really good third. This is a horse that, despite being 50-something to one and 30-something to one, David Cohen, who is an excellent rider um, throughout his entire career and, and just now kind of getting back into the upper echelon in which he should be, was so high on this horse from the very beginning. Like, he worked him and was like, wow, we have something very special here. And I've been watching um, some clips online of this horse uh training at oakland park and like he is a rocket ready to launch like this horse needs a race now <laughs> he needs a race right now and so i think the way that he's preparing into this race the fact that he's trained by robertino diodoro the race that he had in the kentucky jockey club in which he was able to win and i know the number doesn't really jump off the page of you too much but i think it was a better than looks type of a race so i think that that's the horse to beat I also don't remember Spendthrift Farm being part uh, owner of this one. So I believe they bought into him after the fact, which is always a good indication uh, that they think he's pretty talented. So I'm going to use the 12 on top. The two proxy for Mike Stidham has been a very, very good horse as well. He's finished only first and second in his career. And Mike Stidham does a really good job here at Fairgrounds. Like this is the meat to play Mike Stidham for sure. Uh, I use this. You mentioned the six in New Midnight Bourbon as my third choice but i i actually think the others mentioned are likely better and then the only other words i would use is the 11 mandaloon brad cox the right there he's going this thing. on and brad cox and florent Giroux. but what's interesting to me you know and he should be fine because he's an into mischief and he's got empire maker on the bottom side so this horse should be able to handle the distance but his better races were in fact um is this the lecomte yep were in fact when he was going six and seven furlongs. And this race here, he finished third, beaten by a length, two midnight bourbon and proxy as the very heavy favorite. But he was fighting the um, whole way. I mean, I, 
I don't know if he got the great, the best trip in the world. I don't. I see a horse that's hanging here. To me, uh, he matches up with this horse on the inside of him, and he doesn't pass him. Right. I agree. So I think he hung like a cheap suit. All right. Well, I'll, I'll take race. I'll take Brad Cox on that thing. I think on the bounce back. But I mean, at least he's had he's had a, a race after that the Lecomte where he was able to. I'm sorry. No, that's that was his last race. So I don't like that coming into this race. What is what, did, what was Main Loon's, What's Main Loon's, uh odds there, Louis? He's nine, nine to, two. to two. Nine to two. Uh, I don't like it. So he's price. not even that. Not even that. Yeah, good. he's not yeah. even that short of a price. I'm if it was eight price. to one or something like that, I'd be all over that horse. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. But that's why you're getting you're getting better value on a horse like Proxy at eight to one if you like him for Mike Sidham and your guy Johnny V, and then even Midnight Bourbon at six to one. Well, I would so take Mid- I think, Midnight Bourbon should be a better number than Mandolin for sure, right? Yeah, and he's yeah. not. But but that's the Brad Cox factor as well. Yeah, that's true. All right. Well. But keep me in mind all day long. One hour and fifty minutes. No. <laughs> Anniversary show. It's because I ranted. I ranted. You, you ranted. I mean, you were very thorough in your analysis today. Thank you. So. I'm going to take that as a compliment. You, Thank you. You should take that as a compliment. Um, anyway. Uh, I really enjoyed it. It's awesome for us to be live on Twitch and on Twitter. Hopefully, you guys like it too. Uh, go back and watch it. If you're listening to if you're listening to us right now on the podcast, go back to Twitch. Go back to Twitter. Find the live uh, broadcast. See the the race replays we put up. Check there. out our hats that Megan yeah. hates. Yeah, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, it's just so, it's not so fair. We got some wood for double O's. <laughs> I, you know what? You know what? I'm going to make a promise. I'm going to dress better than Megan the rest of the shows until Derby. Well, that will not happen for me. And uh, <laughs> so, Mike says, nope. Nope. All right. Uh, anyway, let's pay the tab. Let's get out of here. Thank you for listening. This has been the Horse Racing Happy Hour. Thank <laughs> you.